Welcome to another episode of the Svarm Chatter Podcast, and I'm Nachi Weinstein. In this week's episode of the podcast, we take a short break from the 10 Lost Tribes series to once again speak with frequent uh, podcast guest, Professor Ephraim Kannerfogel, who is one of the most popular, if not the most popular guest on the podcast. In this episode with Professor Kannerfogel, we discussed Balitaisis a la Taira, the three stages of the Chumash Pirushim and the Parshanim from Ashkenaz and Tsarfas of France and Germany after Rashi. And we kind of went through the stages and the various Svarim. This episode, as with all episodes with Professor Kannerfogel, is generously sponsored by Glock Plumbing. To sponsor an episode or support the podcast, please email me at svarimchatter at gmail.com or see the links and information in the show's notes. Additionally, there is now a Svarim Chatter Substack, which for those not familiar with Substack is like a blog. And if you sign up, you every time there's a new post, we'll get emailed directly to you. There are posts there, some with more background information on the podcast episodes, there are essays, Svarim reviews, and as well as guest uh, posts. So uh, first of all, if anyone is interested in writing anything, any Svarim review, book review, anything of the sort, please email me, svarimchatter at gmail.com. I am looking for uh, submissions if anyone is interested in writing there. Um, and also, I will mention that it is free, but there is a paid option, either monthly or yearly, to support the podcast and to support the subsect, which I appreciate. And for anyone that does do the paid option, there will be bonus content now and again. Um, additionally, there will be a short Substack post from Professor Counterfogel that is really his outline for this episode. Uh, it's short, it's brief, but it will be there, so check that out. Um, and But for more on this, uh, you'll have to read his book, The Intellectual History and Rabbinic Culture of Medieval Ashkenaz by Wayne State University Press, which there'll be a link to in the show's notes. Uh, terrific book, highly recommend so for the Substack, uh, check the link in the show's notes. Also, there is now a Svarim Chatter WhatsApp community. There's an admin-only chat where I post new Svarim books and the like. So you can uh, there's a link in the show's notes if you'd like to join that. There's also two connected chats, one for podcast discussion, one for Svarim and books. But those can those anyone can talk on, so those can get uh, busy if you're interested in that. Join them. If you're not, you know, don't join them. Just join the admin-only one. Uh, And finally, if you can please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform, especially Apple Podcasts, if you rate and review, it does help the podcast, so I do appreciate it. Enjoy this episode with Professor Kannerfogel. As we mentioned at the end, this is a long podcast, so I'll say this here. Um, We're thinking of doing Rabbeinu Tam or the Marami Rutenberg, but perhaps if Listeners feel one way over the other. Please email me, svarmchatter at gmail.com, or if you're on the chat, WhatsApp me. Tell me which one you're interested in hearing from him next, or perhaps you have another idea. So uh, we'd like to hear from you. And um, also, the 10 Lost Tribes series will return next week. This is just a short break to give something else uh, instead of just going, you know, the 10 Lost Tribe for a few months. So enjoy this episode with uh, Professor Kanafogo. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Svarim Chatter podcast. On this episode of the podcast, I'm going to be joined once again by Professor Ephraim Kannerfogel, who is the E. Billy Ivry Professor of Jewish History at Yeshiva University. And uh, as we just were discussing off air, I think this is the seventh time Professor Kannerfogel is appearing on the podcast. This time, we're going to be discussing Bali Taisus Alataira. In the past, we've done recently a few specific episodes, the Rosh, the Mordechai, the Zeruah. Way back when, we did Rashi generally and Balitaisis generally. So now we're going to be talking about Balitaisis Alatayra. Listeners are probably familiar with some of the Svarim of the Balitaisis Alatayra, some not, some yes. 
and we'll also talk about the development, uh, the different stages of the Balitaisis and I guess their style of their commentary. And I want to mention... As always, as with the episodes with Professor Canafogel, this is generously sponsored by Glark Plumbing. For all your service needs, big or small in New Jersey, with a full service division from boiler chains out main sewer lines, snake outs, camera main lines, or simple faucet leak, Glark Plumbing Service Division has you covered. Give them a call, 732-523-1836, extension 1. And thank you to them for sponsoring it. So with that, I'll turn it over to you, Professor Canafogel. Thank you for joining me once again. Thank you. It's a pleasure. And uh, the Glucks are with us, Baruch Hashem. Thank you very much. <clears throat> so Bali Hatosa Torah obviously are, is very much related to the Bali Hatosvis, but in a different dimension or sphere. And that's what we want to talk about. As uh, Nachi mentioned, I'm sure people have heard of some of these works that we'll talk about, but a lot of what we're going to talk about is based on manuscript material. And what I want to try to do in the time that we have is give you the big picture with a reasonable amount of details, and we can tell you where to look further. So first of all, let's talk about what I call the stages. Stage one, stage two, stage three, as follows. Rashi, as with Tosas Alashas, without Rashi, there would be no Balea Tosas Torah. So Rashi starts off this whole talich off, this whole uh, development off, with his parish, we'll talk Rashi on Chumash, Rashi on Tanakh, there are Balei HaTos on Tanakh too, but we'll, we'll do both. Uh, Rashi HaTorah, though, tells us in Bresh's Paragimel Pasuches that his method, and that's what we all love so much and what we all learn so much from, is going to be to find or to locate Pshuto Shal Mikra, right? Pshat, a simple, basic, not literal in a negative sense, but a straightforward reading of the Psukim, Pshuto Shal Mikra, and not Agadita in the, you know, sort of very broad sense, but Chazal, whose interpretations will solve what I call Pshat problems. So I'll give you an example in just a half a second. So Rashi is going to do both of those, right? And that's why Rashi will also will often give us Zehu Pshuto, here's the Pshat, and here's the Chazal, which also solves the problem. So for example, Famous pasuk and famous issue. Yaakov Inu has his beautiful chalom. He named Malachai Elokim. Olim v'yordimbo. There's a sulam. There's a ladder. And the Malachai Hashem are going up the ladder and down the ladder. So the problem is, of course, wait a minute. Malachim live in heaven. So Malachim don't come. If they're departing their base, they go down the ladder and up the ladder. What means up the ladder and down the ladder? So Rashi, of course, cites the beautiful Chazal, right? Very often for Medrash Rabbim, Bracious, other Medrashim throughout the Torah, and so on, that the Malachi Eretz Yisrael were going up the ladder because they were ending their accompaniment of Yaakov, and the Malachi Chutzlaretz, Yaakov's interferers to go out of Eretz Yisrael, are coming down now to join him. It's a change of shifts. So therefore, even the Malachim live in heaven, and they should be going down and up, that's the reason they're going up and down. That's a classic case of an Agadah HaMeyashevet Ivrei Mikra. There's a problem with the simple reading of the Pasuk. Ladders here have to work differently. Rashi gives a very simple answer. Okay. Comes along Rashbam, Rashi's grandson, brother of Rabbeinu, older brother of Rabbeinu Tam. And the Rashbam, who studied with Rashi, in Parshas Vayeshev, they talk about it. He says that Rashi liked what he was doing, and he said if he had more time, more ability, he'd write more perushim. Pshat is always, you can always make new insights, right? Pshat is also a 
masculine words, so pshatot hamitchadshim b'chol yom. It's pluralized pshatot mitchadshim b'chol yom. And there are other places where people mention that Rashi liked his Enikel's parish. He calls it a certain parish of my Enikel, the Rashbam. So Rashi liked this. He saw some of it. Rashbam uh, was about uh, 20 years or so old, uh, 20 years old or so when Rashi died. What does Rashbam do with the latter? Rashbam does what he calls Omek Pshutal Shomikra, deep pshat. Right? In other words, not don't use Medrashim, but use Medrashim very sparingly, even ones that solve the problems that Rashi had. So what does Rashbam do on that very same posuk? Simply put, when you read a posuk, the pshat says, don't stick your finger in and pull out a plum. Read straight. If you have a ladder, the way that a ladder works, derech eretz, no human being goes down a ladder and up a ladder. Everybody goes up a ladder and down the ladder. So he named Malachel Kibbalim Viar. A ladder's a ladder. Don't start giving me all kinds of other ways to understand it. Simply put, derech eretz. That's Rashbam, an example of Omek Pshuto Shalmikra, right? Even tighter pshat, if you will. So Rashbam is the second he comes after Rashi in this Pshat movement. And this movement has been written about. In 1913, someone named Shmuel Poznansky, not a Frum fellow, but a very dedicated Zionist who lived in Varsha. In 1913, Poznansky published what's called Mavo al Chachmei Tzorfat, or Tzvon Tzorfat Mikra, Northern French Biblical Interpretation. And starting with Rashi, and even a little bit before, he has some interesting predecessors to Rashi on this, not exactly in northern France, but around, and moving through to Rashbam and others, he identifies five Pashtanim. Rashi, Rashbam, uh, another student of Rashi named Rabbi Yosef Kara. Yosef Kara is an interesting person. He learned in Worms, um, where Rashi also had learned a little bit after Rashi, of course, so he was Atam Chachem, but all we really have from Kara are Perushim Anavi mostly, Anach. It's a question whether he wrote a Perush al HaTorah, and we just have little pieces that have survived. Again, one of the things that I always tell my students to look for, if you find Yosef Kara al HaTorah, let me know. We'd love to have it. Uh, a comment of Yosef Kara that you probably know, again, cited by others. The first two Dibros, Anochi Hashem Elokecha, are in second person. Hashem, your God, Asher Hotzeisicha, who took you out of Mitzrayim, starting with Dibra number three, right? Lo si saw Hashem Hashem Lashov, right? Zahor is Yom HaShabbos Lakadcho, right? More in the third person, right? Not you, but in the third person. That's Yosef Kara, because Chazal say, right, based on the Pasuk, excuse the Pasuk, after the first two Dibros, B'nai Yisrael stepped back a little bit, so to speak, Moshe Rabbeinu brought it to them, and therefore, in the first two Dibros, they're talking to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so to speak, almost almost as Moshe did, more directly, in the third Dibra on, it's in the third person. Okay, that's Kara. Again, very we have very little relatively from Chumash from him. We have a lot on Nach, on Nevi'im Rishonim, it was printed separately, various Svarim of Nevi'im Achronim. You'll have it even in the Mikros Gedolos, the you know, standard editions. Again, some kind of Pshutosh Mikra. So Rashi, Kara, Rashbam. The fourth is the least known, Rebeliezer Mibelgensi, Rebeliezer Aborjonsi, who wrote again mostly on Nach. We don't really have much from him at all, Al-Hatorah. And he's the only one of this group who doesn't seem to have been a Rashivit. 
right? Not a Balatosis, not a Rosh Hashiva, but a very good Mephoresh of the grammar and the style of Nach. And the fifth one that Poznanski identifies is Rabbi Yosef Bechor Shor. Yosef Bechor Shor is a Talmud in learning of Rabbeinu Tam, mentioned in Tosis not infrequently. The Rimi Arlinish of Orléans, right? How do you do, how do you do French words in Hebrew? Medieval French, modern French, anyway. Not Rabbi Yaakov of Orléans, that's another one, we'll talk about him, but Rabbi Yosef of Orléans. So Rashi dies in 1105, Rashbam dies around 1160, 1158, uh, Lemin Yonam, Bechor dies somewhere before 1200, not quite clear. The three of them were Rashi Yeshiva, they were Baliat Rashi and Baliat Tosas, they were great Tamidei Chachamim. Again, Kara, we leave a little bit out, Kara means Posuk. He seems to have been a Posuk man mainly. Right? And Yosef Bechor Shor is the last of this group of Poznansky, and they are doing Pshutosh al-Mikra. Kar, uh, uh, Bechor Shor, by the way, like Rashi, will quote Pshat things and Chazal things. Not quite as systematically and as organized as Rashi, but very, very good. I recommend if people want to look at a Numafarish, look at Bechor Shor. It's like Rashi, only a little different. In other words, more Medrashim than Rashbam cites from Chazal, Multiple perushim. Rashbam typically has one perush on a pulsar. Rarely will he have more than one, even if they both could be good. Bechor Shor, like Rashi, does both. Okay. At that point, Poznanski says, that's my Chachmei Tzorfat B'farshei HaMikra. Again, three out of the five are very, 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 very big Bale, Gemara, and Halacha. They're Bale Hatosas, Rashbam, Bechor Shor. Rashi, of course, is Rashi. And that really controls this thing. Just a side footnote, you'll tell me, but Rashbam and Bava Basra always says, I'm learning this drush, I'm explaining the drush's chazal, because the Pasuk has an extra hey, an extra yud, an extra vav, an extra letter, an extra word. Right. That's what Rashbam says in a number of places, especially in his introduction to Parshim Mishpatim. Chazal were right. The number one goal of learning is to use the psukim to explain the Torah Peh, or to interact with the Torah Shabbat, the Haggadah and the Halacha. But Chazal also said, Ein mikray pshuto. and so my parish on Chumish, I'm going to stick more with the Pshat. That's right before uh, Rashbam says, famously, it sounds unbelievable, Va'avadolilam by an Evan Ivri, right, who's a Nirtzah, who stays with his Adon. Lo'olam means forever. Not the Halacha. It says, Lefiyah Pshat. Now you'll tell me, how does Rashbam live with such a pshat and a chazal, which he certainly thought was primary. He says it's primary. And the answer is, mem tet panim shal halacha. It's not shivim panim as much as it is 49 options, the Gemara and Erevin, which the Bali Hatosis in particular interpreted very broadly. Many levels of MS. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave the Torah with many, many, many levels of MS. We human beings are not great at having many levels of MS. But got to try, Right? And so as, as the Rav used to say, you'll figure out how to work it all out, right? Uh, he didn't say it about this, but that was one of his favorite ideas. Sometimes you have different approaches. Okay, so that's this first group. Now, what Poznanski says is, it's all nor- northern France. None of this goes to Germany. There's nobody here who's even, again, uh, Kara learned in, in Worms, he learned in Germany, where Rashbam's father also learned, where Rashi learned before that in the 11th century. There's no Germany, and it basically, quote-unquote, dies out. He doesn't use that term, but it basically ends with the 12th century. Right. Again, why it happens in the 12th century, 
later scholars have argued, interestingly, some have suggested and stressed Chachmei Sfarad have already done shot things, Menachem, Dunash, right? Uh, Nachi just showed me they put out Rabbeinu Tam's Diktuk Sefer, right? You get this these Hebrew grammars, they didn't know how to read Arabic, so they couldn't get even Chayuj and Ibn Janach. But Menachem, Dunash, that inspires close reading, reading out shot, not reading in the Chazals. Uh, some say that's the key. Others say, with some justification, so-called 12th century Renaissance, this is a new approach, again, Chochma Bagoyim Tamin, that perhaps is going around. Uh, others have suggested in a similar vein, polemics. It's always good to do pshat with the Christians, because the pshat, the Christians keep trying to read in their readings into our Torah. And by doing pshat, right, Shiloh doesn't mean... Whatever the Christian saint means, coming up in this week's parsha, says Rashbam on Brashas Mem Tesyud, Shiloh means the Mishkan Shiloh, Ad Kiavo Shiloh. Shiloh is where Rachavia became the Melech, that there will always be a Judean king until Rachavia. After Rachavia ben Shlomo, there will also be a Rovan ben Devot. Shiloh is the Mishkan, Ad Kiavo Shiloh, which is near Shechem, right? With this pshat, you can upend the Christian interpretation. So that may be a factor here too, although Rashi obviously doesn't do as much of that and so on. Okay, so why exactly it happens, different possibilities. That's what Poznanski says. What I want to do now is, well, I'll tell you about stage three as a as a klal here, and then I will fill in stage two. Yes, Nachi. Okay, so I want to interject before we finish with stage one. A couple right. of horrors here, I think. And then, like you said, please. we'll move on to the different stages. Please, please. So, the name that's obviously missing here, mm-hmm. and well, I'll say the one name is Ria Zakain, but he, I think what we really know of him is a, you know, Halacha Gemara guy, right. guy, so to speak. But right. the one that's wide ranging is Rabbeinu Tam. We know Rabbeinu Tam did everything. You mentioned now we have his book. Correct. Where's Rabbeinu Tam's commentary on Torah? What was he doing? Very, very, very good. So I want to say two things. First of all, what you're, part of what you're asking beneath your question what does Tosis itself do with Mikra? Yes. And the answer is obviously Tosis on the daf will look at Mikra correctly, doesn't mean Maskama, mostly from the daf, and therefore they will look at Chazals. Tosis, for example, loves Bracious Rabba no less than Rashi. They can fragment from Bracious Rabba anywhere, and they do. The other Rabbas are a little bit later, and Tosas doesn't like them as much. I, I don't want to say that. Tosas doesn't feature them as much. Let me be very, very careful here. Okay. So number one, Tosas does not pursue, quote-unquote, Pshuto Shel Mikra as a discipline, because they're busy pursuing Pshuto Shel Tershabal Peh, right? So that's number one. As far as Rabbeinu Tam, here's the fascinating thing. We have lots of very interesting perushim from Rabbeinu Tam on Chumash. Lots of very interesting perushim that Tosfus quotes. Very few of them are in the realm of Pshutoshal Mikra. And we don't have, even though he wrote a Sefer Diktuk that we have, he didn't write a Rashbamian, forgive my uh, English, a Rashbamian kind of perush on Chumash. We don't have that much Pshutoshal Mikra from Rabbeinu Tam. Why is an interesting question. As he said, everything goes through the Gemara. I think that's the answer. Everything goes through the Gemara. You have them on your lovely shelf that I'm looking at. 
um, uh, the so-called Perush of Rabbeinu Tam or Beis Medrash or Shal Rabbeinu Tam Al HaTorah. Lots of comments from Rabbeinu Tam, although I want to say very carefully, not everything in there is from Rabbeinu Tam, mainly because not only is it his students, but there are people who lived after that too. That's okay. It's, you know, it's not Min B'Shein Omino. It's all good. Uh, Virtually everything Rabbeinu Tam has in there is what I'll call halachic interpretation of the Torah. And even when he's doing bracious, it's kfi chazal. So, and that's an interesting question. It remains a little bit of a tzorachi, and why didn't Rabbeinu Tam do it? Not, you know, fregim, fregmuch, it's not clear. Uh, by the way, just another footnote, which will make us a little, uh, well, uh, I don't want to say crazy. Rabbeinu Tam is quoted um, uh, having authored a number of pshatim. So these kind of and my experience, I'll talk about where I know this from and how I know this, and you can check me out. Nine times out of ten, ninety-nine times out of a hundred, it's not Rabbi Yaakov Tam, it's Rabbeinu Yaakov of Orlean, Rabbeinu Tam of Arlinish. Any student that Rabbeinu Tam had named Yaakov, and he had at least two, they nicknamed them Rabbeinu Tam Jr. Rabbeinu Tam of Arlinish, Rabbeinu Tam of Corbe, Yaakov of Corbe. And it's very interesting. Sometimes the copyists saw Rabbeinu Tam, they just dropped off the Mayor Linish. Except if you check it carefully, he's going to be more of a pshat man, and I'll explain why. This will become clear in a couple of moments. Anyway, so Rabbeinu Tam is an interesting exception that proves the rule. So what else did you ask? He asked Rias, Rabbeinu Tam, Tosis. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so first of all, that, that safer is Chidushin ala Torah, Rabbeinu Tam, based Midrasha. It was printed from a manuscript, two manuscripts, that's Machon Ofek did. And he Correct. said it's like halacha. Uh, kind of stuff. And we'll talk about the different editions right, that are so, around. So you have, so they, that's based on a Paris manuscript and based on a Moscow manuscript. So on Rivka, they talk a talk about whether Rivka was three or 14 when she married uh, uh, Yitzchak. That's found in Tosas Yavamas. In other words, again, these are things that Balei HaTosfas do in the course of the Sugya, right? How old is Anara? How old was she? And so on. Not that you can't learn Chumash that way, but that's not this kind of Right, the same Rashi you wrote as Parish on Shas wrote Rashi wrote the Rashi al Hatorah. They're both looking for pshat, pshat and Gemara, pshat and Chumish, but it's different. So Rabbeinu Tam is more in that what I'll call the Talmudic key. Right, again, Rabbeinu Tam can't prove it right now. Rabbeinu Tam and all the Baliatosis as a whole, everything has to work through the, the Gemara. You know, Gemara first and everything else second. And Rabbeinu Tam was a big chassid of that Yisod. Yeah. So a broad question: When we were there. I don't know what you want to call them, Bali Toysus. So really, we're talking about French mainly, not German, as you said. But really, you know, Rishonim of that period, the Ashkenazic, even the Ashkenazic, Ashkenazic and Sarfah. I'll, I'll, I'll get, I'll get no, you with German yet, but go no, ahead. But, but forgetting <laughs> the d- distinction, the point is, were there those that were into different things? What I mean is, as you just mentioned, the Re, Rabbi Nutam, they're the Bali Toysus, the Toysus generally, they're busy when, in halacha way, in Tarsh right. they're not busy in the Pshat. Then as we mentioned, you have Rashbam, and you have Bachar Shar, and we'll get, you know, Rabbi Yasef Kara and others. You also have those, Rabbeinu Shmaya uh, and others, Rabbi you have those that are into Piyas and into Halacha, they're into Minig. They're, are those Correct. that are into different things? They're different interests? Where does that and come from? Are, and, there, and there is no shortage of Balei Hatosfis who are into Piyut. Yes. Here, Rabbeinu Tam was big into writing Piyut. Rashi wrote seven Piyutim or eight. Rabbeinu Tam wrote 25. Uh, Rabbeinu Tam's Talmidim, some of whom we mentioned tonight, wrote Piyut. Some did, some didn't. Interesting, fascinatingly, from Rajbam, I believe we have, again, this Piyut is a tricky uh, area because it, it's very hard to identify sometimes who wrote a particular Piyut. From Rajbam, as far as I know, zero Piyutim. 
lovely poetic things in his parish on Chumash, zero piyutim. Again, in, you have to be a poet and you have to know it. And not everybody felt themselves, right? So there are, everybody did Gemara, right? That's Tamudocentric. Every Balata, if you didn't do Gemara, you're not a Balatosis. The interesting question is, what did Balatosis do? I don't want to call it, God forbid, a hobby or a sidelight. What else did a particular Balatosis do? I'll give you options. Mikra, Pshutosha Mikra, Piyut writing. How about Isuk Bitorata Sod? So, you know, you'll, you have my big book somewhere. You'll hold it up later and do something, right? People know it. That's basically what I go through in this book, top to bottom. What are, not every single possible interest, but what are the main interests beyond, besides, in addition to, let's say it carefully, the Gemara, which is the Iker. What are they? Which Balehatosis do it? Which don't? And a little bit, how do we explain that? It's not, you know, a matter of I like blue, you like uh, green, but there are ways to understand that as well. So it's, right? So the Rambam does philosophy. The Ramban does so. But by the way, the Ramban also does, you know, again, there are different interests. So that's the question. Uh, there's a nice term, Talmudocentric or Halachocentric, right? You focus on the Gemara. And then extra Talmudic, extra Halachic. Not you read comic books in your spare time, God forbid. What other parts of Torah do you do? And the Bali Hatosis, by the way, he has the same thing about Rashi, right? Rashi did Gemara, Rashi did Mikra. A little bit Slichos, Piyut, all Slichos, uh, Kino Slichos, right? Um, what else did he do? He asked the same question. And the answer will be, we'll end up with some of them being completely in Gemara Halacha, others check the boxes, others, uh, uh, you know, one or two areas. I have in one of the final chapters in that book, I have discussion of Bale Hatosis as Bale Machshava. They didn't do philosophy with a capital P. But they dealt with the question of the nature of Hakodesh Baruch Hu and so on. Again, some more than others. So that's the that's the big answer to your general question. Now, your book that you're referring to is a big book, as you call it, is the Intellectual History and Rabbinic Culture of Medieval Ashkenaz, Wayne State University Press. That's all your books, and that it's nearly six hundred pages. And so we'll we'll talk more about it. And I'll link yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah. Don't note. don't drop it on anybody's foot. That's correct. Uh, it's being translated into Hebrew now in Eretz They've been working on it for several years already. That's what it's taking them. There's a whole set they're working, and uh, they haven't quite cracked it, but they're almost done. Anyway, that's so, what. Yeah. Right. So one more one more general question Go before ahead. we dive into, as you say, you want to get onto the second or the third right, right. Um, you know, stage or group. So this first group, there are t- changes and distinctions between we go from Rashi and then Rashbam is almost radically different in certain mm-hmm. ways. And then it kind of, so the pendulum swings back with Bahar Shara a little bit. So, but there are changes there in the schools and, and we, you know, Rabbi Yisafkara and some others. So how does, how, what is so, that? So, so that's a very important, a very good question, a very helpful question. So basically, if you take the three, the three biggest Lamdonim in the 12th century of the group, Rashi, Rashbam, Bechor Shor, it's exactly what you suggest. Rashbam pushes the envelope, envelope, so to speak, a little bit in terms of Omek, Pshutosh, Mikra. Again, Kara and Belgensi are with him. And Bechor Shor kind of brings it back a little bit to Rashi. In other words, Eshiluv, because again, even when a Balatosfus does Chumish, even though Rashbam knew all the Chazals, Kavashet Nivuato, 
Bechor Shor says we got to put the Chazal back into it. I don't mean it in a in a critical way or in a you know we got to put it back in. But listen, Bechor, I'll give you some pshatim from Bechor Shor. We have cases where Bechor Shor criticizes Rashbam uh, in one place. I think for being too creative. <laughs> you know, you've gone you've gone too far, not religiously, but I'll give you that example when we get to the examples, which we'll get to. So that's exactly you've got it exactly right. So the interesting question is from Rashi. We have many Kisveyat. From before the 15th century, we have more than 100. We have tons of Kisveyat of Rashi al Torah. From Rashbam, we have what I like to call one and a half. It might be a drop more. One and a half. From Bechorsha, we have one and a quarter. That's not exactly a bestseller, right? What happened? So the answer is, in general, I think the answer is going to be, for other things too, once there's Rashi, Rabban Shal Yisrael, that's what we need. In other words, Rashi becomes the gold standard very quickly. And even though I'm telling you, you can learn things about Rashi from Bechor Shor, never mind Rashbam, who mentions Rashi, you can learn that. So does Bechor Shor, right? Um, they just don't have that same um, rootedness. Uh, you know, in other words, Rashi's Rashi, right? The same way, how many Perushim, straightforward Perushim, we have on Shas in the Rishonim, right? With just, you know, line interpretation that survive. Rabbein Hananel, right? Uh, the so-called Parish Mines, Rabbein Gersh. Rashi. Once you have Rashi, it's time for Tosfis. It's time for, you know, comparing sugyas. You don't need a second one. So I think that happened a little bit al-Hatorah too, but that's part of the point here. If we just say, you know, it's a lot easier for these students. You just need to know Rashi. Don't know anything else. That would be very good. If you know all the Rashi and Chumash by heart, you're in very good shape. But you're missing an awful lot from some other great Lamdonim you know, uh, so to speak, at, in his kind of level, right? Nobody talks about Rashbam or Shor having Ruach HaKodesh, but <laughs> nonetheless, nonetheless. So that's what I think happened here. And we'll see, it, it gets, the, this question gets even more exacerbated as we go through. So that's phase number one. Ad Khan Poznansky, what Poznansky does in the rest of his masterful, he, he published one of Belgensi, a series of Belgensi's Perushim. This was his Hakdama. So people hardly look at the Perushim Belgensi. They read this thing page after page. He then says, well, in the 13th century, if we turn the quarter into the 13th century Luminyonim, there are Balehatosis who say things about Chumash. And there are collections of what become called known as the Balei HaTosos Al HaTorah. And he goes through many of them, and we will in a moment too. But his basic point is, and he's not wrong, overall, the Balei HaTosos Al HaTorah are, are quoting Rashi, they're quoting Rashbam, they're quoting even a little Kara, they quote Bechor Shor a lot. He's their hero after Rashi. In terms of rank, it's Rashi first, Bechor Shor second, Rashbam third, Kara fourth. All right? Basically, these are so-called Baliatosla Torah. These are filled with a lot of what we'll call drash. Not vilda drashes, but chazal on psukim. Right? Just to give a name for now, because I want to do the middle stage first. I want to go in order, not out of order. Somebody will say, ooh, dasikainim mi baliatosis. Right? That's produced in the very late 13th century. Probably in northern France, probably. We don't know exactly by whom. Lots of things in there. There is some Shutal Shamikra in there. There's Rashi in there. There's Bahur. All kinds of things in there. There are other Balehatosas in there. 
but the largest uh, amount of material is not again not you know wild medrashim gone for but not you know not not very out of uh, the, the box medrashim but basically a rabbinic approach to psukim. So says Poznansky, again, his point, the Pashtanim, as he calls them, it's a nice word, the Pashtanim left the stage in the 12th century. 13th century is Idan Hadrash. We go back, which, by the way, is what Chazal did first. So it's, in fact, in some of these collections, you'll find pieces from Tosfus that fall into them. Again, that explain the psukim more, al pi halacha, al pi, you know, midr shatar nireshbim, and so on and so forth. Okay. So part of what I want to say tonight as a Chiddush that's in that big book is that there is a middle phase which Poznansky knew a little about, but not as a phase. I think, again, and he didn't miss the boat. He didn't have the boat. Whatever manuscripts Poznansky were around in Poznansky's day in 1913, he knew them by heart. Problem was there were manuscripts that weren't around or that he didn't have access to. So let's now go to stage two. Stage two, before shore, is the pivot Bechor Shor is the last of the first group, and he's the first of the second group. Bechor Shor um, starts out a whole other group, which as far as I can tell, also has five or six people in it. Let me give you their names. And these five or six are Kimat all well-known, well-known, known Bali Hatosis. For example, two other Talmidim or Rabbeinu Tam in this group, and I'm going to give you examples of the end, so you'll see, if the trust me to the end, where again, the same kind of, of Bechor Shori and Pshat exists. I'll give you examples from them. The first of these is someone named Rabbi Yom Tov of Jouani, J-O-I-G-N-Y, in northern France. He ended up in England toward the end of his life, but unfortunately he was killed in some persecutions toward the end of the 12th century. Along with another Talmud of Rabbeinu Tam, who also ended up in a similar fate, unfortunately, Tsarein Arav, uh, Rabbi Yaakov of Orleans. That's the Rimi Arlainish Rabbi Yaakov of Orleans, Yaakov and Shlomo of Orleans. Yom Tov ben Yitzchok. Interestingly, Yom Tov is called in, in his Perushim Rabbi Tetav. Either Tosfus Yom Tov, there may be another way to understand that, Rashi Tevos. You'll find them a very little bit in these kvatsim, in these later collections. You really got to look at the manuscript, especially for Rabbi Yomtev. And wait till I show you what's in there. I can only give you the Ktsayama's leg, the tip of the iceberg. Again, you want to see more, you go right into the book. 80, 90, 100 comments on Chumash from these, from these balayatosas that I've seen and I haven't seen at all. Okay. So, and they're roughly contemporary with Bahor Shore, right? Tamidim and Tam live at the same time. The next person in this group chronologically is going to be a very interesting name, Rabbi Yudah Chosid. Now you'll tell me, but Rabbi Yudah Chosid does Nistar, he does Remez. Absolutely correct. And that's what he does for a living. Rabbi Yudah Chosid dictated a perush on Chumash to his son, Rabbi Zalman or Rabbi Zaltman, in the year before he died. And in there, not only does he call it Pshat, but in there, I'll give you some samples. You'll tell me are some fascinating perushim that I think, by anyone's definition, will be much closer to pshat than to drash. They're trying to read out. They're trying to schlep out from the Don't assume anything. Schlep it out. And that you find these things in Rabbi Yudah Torah. Now, you have to be very careful here. There are two kisvayad that are Rabbi Yudah Torah. Rabbi Moshe Zatzal had issues with the printed for that, and that one is printed, by the way, right? Bechor Shor is printed. Yom Tevishwani is not printed. Yaakov of Orlean is not printed, the whole thing. Rabbi Yudah is printed. There are issues there. Question is, are these from Rabbi Yudah Are these other things in that Ketav Yad, which Rabbi Moshe Zatzal was shown things having to do with 
who finished Chumash and so on and so forth. And Reb Moshe said, not Loimit and Aleph on everything, but Loimit and Aleph, two Alephs. Absolutely no, on those Psukim. So we're not touching that. And I'm just touching where Reb Zalman, Reb Zalman says, Pirish Ovi, Mori whatever it is, and you get interesting Pshatim, which as far as I know, and somebody will correct me if I'm incorrect, Reb Moshe did not say, don't look at the Pirish. Reb Moshe said, don't look at those Psukim. So we're not going to look at those Psukim, every day calm. In any case, Rebuda Chosid, if you close your eyes, you can hear Bechor Shor in him a little bit. You can hear, you can hear Pshutosho Bikra in him. He's number, th- number three in that group. Number four is an Italian Balhatosis, but he spent time in the Rhineland. He learned with Reb Simcha of Shpira. Uh, I always like to call him in my past talks, the most important German Balhatosis that nobody's heard of too much. Doesn't appear in our printed Tosis, but he appears in other places. He wrote a tremendous say for Halacha. Uh, that has been um, uh, uh, Seder Olam, not the, the historical one. Olam Shal Halachad, humongous Sefer that's been lost. He had great Talmudim, the Orzeru, and so on, who quote him quite a bit. Uh, the Rid, Rabbi Shai de Trani, who comes from Trani, which is in Italy, right, comes to the Rhineland where he learns Gemara. He learns in the base Medrash of Simcha Mishpira, where he hears all kinds of material about, from Rabbi Nutam, whose German students came back to the Rhineland. So he know, that's how he makes Tosfas Rid. Tosfas Rid is not the same as Ashas Tosfas, but it's of the same genre. He has a parish on Chumash called Nimukei Chumash. Right? Nimukim. Tamens, you know, again, not all Pshuto Shel Mikra. There are Chazal, but wait till you see the couple of the games I give you from there, and there are more. He also, by the way, all these Baliatos Torah, also Kiddarkam, will dinzich with Rashi in a very good way. A steer in Rashi, a question on Rashi, just like they might do on Shas. Right? Rabbi Shai Detrani, both in his Tosis Rid and he wrote others for him too, and in his parish on Chumash, calls Rashi Hamore, the Rebbe, because he doesn't know from Kuntrus, right? the Rebbe. Right? He comes to Rashi later. But is he a good Talmud of Rashi? And we'll see again, example, I'm just going to give a couple, two, three here. You look in the material. That was printed, that Rid al-Hator, Nemuke Rid, was published by Rabbi Chevelle in 1972, Leminyonam, together with Rabbi Nuchanan al that's from a different department. And from one manuscript, uh, there are other manuscripts, and some of them might have been used. There's also a problem, because some of the manuscripts have other things in them. These things tend to be classic. Okay, so you have Rabbi Yomtif, Rabbi Yaakov of Orlean, Rabbi Yudah Chosid, Rid, and the last one, the last one, Achron Achron, Kulam Chavivim, but Achron Achron, Rabbi Moshe Mikutsi, the Baal Hasmag, say from Mitzvah's Godel. We have, not cited in one printed collection, a whole bunch of Perushim from the Smag, which the author of that Perush calls Ra'iti B'Pshatei HaRab Moshe Mikutsi. So he wrote a parish on Chumash, which might have been called Pshatei and Moshe Mikutsi. And wait till you hear some of his Pshatim. They will, so to speak, proverbially knock your socks off. Oh, nobody minds that, right? They're very impressive. I will tell you here, the Chidah in one place thinks that there might have been two Reb Moshe Mikutsis, because they're questioning. The, the smog is mentioned in the parish. Based on Kisvayat, I think it's very clear that they are one and the same. It's Reb Moshe Mikutsi or Moshe Mikutsi. So if you're if you're keeping up with my count, that's five real Balihatosvis. The smog dies in twelve fifty. He's already in the middle of the thirteenth century. 
starting from the end of the 12th into the middle of the 13th, who do Pshuto Mikra, as we'll see, not dissimilarly to Bechor Shor at all, meaning not dissimilar to what Rashi does too, most of which have not, has not been published. Again, how did I stumble upon these? If you look at some of the later printed collections, they mention pieces from them too, but you have to really go to the manuscripts to find most of this. There are more than 200 manuscripts of so-called Balayatosala Torah. I think I've only seen about 80, 90 over the years. That's um, Many of the other ones are duplicates and so on, but there's more that can be found. Somebody once actually mentioned to me, I shouldn't get everybody crazed here, they want to perhaps put out Rabbi Amtav Rujwani, I've given the whole roadmap, I said, go right ahead, please, somebody sit there, sit with the Kisvayad, it's an Otsar Balum. And then you have other interesting things, for example, Rabbi Chilmi Pariz, who's a little, the same age as Moshe Mikusi, a drop younger, same period, they both learned with Rabbi Yudasirleon, one of Rabbi Tamidim. he has Again, tens of Perusha Malatora. He's more of a mixture between Pshat and Drash. But here's an interesting one. Rabbi Yechimi Pariz in one place, in manuscript that Professor Tashma published many years ago, he recommends an Ibn Ezra to his friends. You'll say, Ibn Ezra? Mali Ibn Ezra based Hamerish Now, Rabbeinu Tam, like he said, you know, you can learn something for a poet. And Ibn Ezra said, you're a great poet for a London. But the truth is, tell us one or two places in Shas, quote Ibn Ezra, they don't like it too much because it's not the halacha. It's not kefi halacha kol kach because Ibn Ezra knew only one speed, unlike the Rashbam, the whole separate story. In uh, one place on the Pasuk at the end of Emor, it's an unbelievable series of psukim, right? They say, you, you miss it because it's parashamoatim. Afterwards, well, you wouldn't miss it, but you didn't think about it. The Pasuk says that ishki halel elokov v'nasacheto, if a person blasphemes Hashem, he carries his sin. It's, I think this Pesach's right. Okay. The very next Pesach, it says, V'no cave, shame Hashem, most you must. One second. Nasacheto means kares. HaKadosh Baruch Hu will handle it. The next Pesach says, Mises Bezdin, Vos is. So Rashi there says, very wonderfully, based on the Gemara Sanhedrin, right? Agadaham Yashem. Gemara is solving the problem. That's without Hasra. If he blasphemes Hashem, and he can't give him Hasra. So the Rebbe has to handle it. If you give him hasra, you can't let the Rebbeinu handle it. Bezdin has to handle it themselves. Wonderful parish. The Ibn Ezra has an Ein following there. It's unbelievable. The Ibn Ezra there says, "Ish um, ish ki kalel elokov." Right? How do you read that word, Aleph Lamed? How do you read that word? Says the Ibn Ezra. Maybe it's elohov. Don't get nervous. What's an elohov? A dayon. Right? You have it mishpatim. Right? So if a person, says the Ibn Ezra, blasphemes, that shame. Elohim. Is it Elohim that he's blaspheming? HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Or is it Elohim? A very important God will be Israel, right? Right? Therefore, Nasacheto. Only HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows what was in his cup, in his heart. Bezdin can't touch it with a hundred foot pole because they don't know if it's A or B. That's just a matter of hasra, right? However, the next pasuk, no cave shame Hashem most you must. How is Hashem spelled in that pasuk? If you look carefully, and no cave means you go exactly, shame Hashem is spelled yud kevavke. If he blasphemes the shame adnus, he blasphemes, he blasphemes God forbid, shame amaforosh, right? Most you must. Bezdin has him. That's an un- unbelievable 
Pshutol Shamikra, just read the words. The Yechilmi Paris says, this is a great parish. He recommends it to one of his colleagues. So in other words, Shem Tichnit from the Ibn Ezra. We're not going to pass in Shilas based on him, but Chumash, can good learning on this level. Okay. So that's that second phase, and that's a big Chiddush. Pozdansky talks about Moshe Mikutsi, uh, I say very gently, he gets it wrong. He says, oh, Chazal, this, that. That's not the whole story. He talks a little bit about Moshe Mikutsi. The other ones, look, he hardly even mentions, goes on. That brings us to the, and what I want to do with the examples, I want to give you soon examples from this second phase. What kind of pshatim are we talking about? Again, if you hold for the examples, I know it's hard to tell people i got to listen, but if you can listen a little longer, you hear the examples, it'll just really be, I think it'll speak for itself. The third phase is this collection phase, right, that Poznansky does talk about. These are the so-called kivat, they're called in Hebrew, kivatsei balea tosot al ha-Torah. Tosafist collections, or I like better, Tosafist compilations. That's what we mean when we refer colloquially to Balea Tosafot. And those are a complete mixture. As I said before, you have Rashi, you have Rashbam, you have Kara a little bit, you have Bechorsha a lot. You have some of these people that I just mentioned, most people didn't pick up on it. And then you have all kinds of Midrash Chazal, again, on the parasha. You have Halacha, you have uh, Lomdis, you have pieces from Tosfis. I like to compare it, again, the best known of these are the Dazakanim and the Hadazakanim, right? Alalamdonim, you know, not Kolanorim, Kolazakanim. There's a third one that was put out in the 14th century, my favorite, called Moshavzakanim. Anyway, it's a funny name, but uh, today in Israel, I call it Beit Avot. Anyhow, it's not a Moshavzakanim. Um, you have something called Paneach Rosa from the late 13th century, which again is French-based, but it's a mixture. Paneach Raza, by the way, quotes almost everybody in the second group. Nobody noticed it. But anyway, uh, and then you have Minchas Yehuda, which was actually done in 1313 by an otherwise unknown editor, Rabbi Yehuda ben Eliezer or ben Elazar. We don't know who he is. Right? He's the one, by the way, has all the remotion Mikutsis, but he's got a lot more. He also had a Rebbe in, in Mikrak named Rebel Yochim. Geveis Vosidis Rebel Yochim, not a Balatos that we know. So what's happening in these kinds of kvatsim? What are they trying to do? So the best example I can give, Halavai, we should return to it. If you walk into a shul in Eretz Yisrael, I hope today is then, you find those Gilio notes. You know, they put out dapim. You want to learn Taras Harambam, got a daf. You want to learn Taras Haraf Kuk, got a daf. You want to learn the Lutzvah Rosh Hashivas, got a daf. You want to learn a daf that has every one of these things in it, we got a daf. These Gilio notes, these sheets, right? Pick what you like. You like gematria? By the way, Balatos Torah, lots and lots of gematria. Remazim. Is that what you like? Read that. That's what these Balatos Torah are. They're, I, again, I don't mean this, I mean this well. It's like a washing machine. It's got everything is going around in them. And these, the first one of these was actually begun in a fairly organized way. Around the year 1240, which if you're keeping score in the history, is right when my second group is ending. There's a work called Sefer Hagan. Hey, Gimel Nun, what's a Gan? You know, Pardei Shel Torah. No, Gan is the number of parashas in Chumash. It depends on the year. In Hebrew, you're not in Hebrew, you're right. It's a parashas Chumash by someone named Aaron ben Yossi HaKohen, who, again, we don't know otherwise, not a Balhatosis, but I want to say this carefully, some of his best friends were Balhatosis. And he really went and interviewed them. 
He got his father involved. He got his brother involved. It was a family operation. They went to Bali Hatosis, who were alive in their day, and they said, Rebal Hatosis, give us a shot on this pastor. Give us a parish. And they put them in there by name. You have names of, of Baleatosis who we don't know hardly from any other source. They managed to record. There's a nice addition by my late colleague at the YU, Rabbi Orlean, uh, that uh, most of Cook put out. And he has the index there, which Baleatosis, you'll see, it's a nice culture. But again, it's a Kovitz. Yeah, you'll tell me about that in a minute, Mr. Swarm Chatter. Yeah, I see you. And I was going to say about it, by the way, the, the coolest thing about it is not the coolest, obviously the Prussian, mm-hmm. but besides for that, in the back cover, they have the, the manuscript is written in like this, this the design over there with the manuscript. It's like interlocking diamonds that was written like That's that. That's okay. There are actually two manuscripts. He was only really aware of one in that. There's another one where the Balayatos, it's one of these manuscripts that has on the inside, you know, oldest, it has the Chumish, it has Onkelos, it has Rashi, it has, and the, the Gan is what I call when I when I was little, there were these, and they still have them probably, shows you what I do around the house, these round little bandages. You know, if you get a little boo-boo, not a big one, right? The, all the words are a little round bandage like a boo-boo. That's where the whole thing is in there. It's unbelievable. You go with a magnifying glass and you read the boo-boo, and it's very good. So that's the start of this thing. And from then on, you have Kvatsim now. Some of the Kvatsim were put together by big Tamide Chacham, who we know. For example, Rabbi Vigder Katz, who was again a student of Simcha Mishpira, put something there that called Perushim Upsakim. Perushim on each parish of the week. Very often Rashbam, by the way, likes Rashi, likes Rashbam. And then Psakim, Piske Halacha related to the parsha. Sounds a little like the Shiltis, but this is hundreds of years later. Right? You have what's called Perushi Rab Chaim Paltila HaTorah. Chaim Paltila was a Talmud of the Marami Rutenberg. Uh, he lived in the early 14th century already. He lived into the 13th. Again, I don't mean it's a gemish, but it's a real mixture. It's a real blending of all these different styles. So those are your three groups. Again, uh, I should also mention, there is someone named Chizkuni, Reb Chizkiah ben Manach, who dies around 1275 in northern France. Not the Baal HaTosfes. A finer year, a finer lamb, and a finer mensch. Not the Baal HaTosfes. In fact, for years, they thought that he must have been in Provence, in southern France. But one of the main proofs that he was in southern France is that the name Manoach is a Provençal name. You know, the name, right? Manoach, right? Only in southern France. After I found, based on Kisveyad, the 20th person in northern France named Manoach in northern Europe, I said, no, we got to get rid of that theory. Anyway, the answer is, he, the Chizkuni, would have been very helpful when I was looking through this Kisveyad. Because he sticks mainly with Pshat. His sources are Rashi, who he quotes by name, and you name it, Ibn Ezra, Rashbam, Bechor Shor, who he doesn't quote by name. So how do you know? He has a poetic introduction, very interesting way that he doesn't cite anybody by name. In a poetic introduction, he talks poetically, this is the this one and that's the that one. We don't know who they are. The answer is it's all these Pashtanim. I think that the five or six from my middle group are also being used by him. Somebody showed the Rabbi Yudah that I mentioned, used by him. I've got Yom Tov used by him. So again, he's sort of a Ma'asef Machanos here, although he's very also very important. So he can also bring you a lot of these approaches, except you don't know who's saying what, unless, again, uh, it's published in the um, Torah Chaim that uh, Masar of Cook put out, because they published the Chizkuni. So Po Visham, Rabbi Shevel also edited, he'll tell you this is Bohor Shor, this is Ibn Ezra, but there's a whole bunch of names we don't know. That's all these Pashtanim from the middle group. 
So that's the summary. Now you're going to ask me the next question, Mr. Moderator. So we have three periods, 12th century Poznanski, 13th century some Pashtanim amongst, by the way, all Baleatosis, again, you can call him what you want, but he certainly, he fits into the into the group, uh, as figured out by some uh, deranged person named Canafogel. And the 13th century Kvatsim, uh, uh, so-called Baleatos Torah, which are a mixture, but will also help us identify the people in that second phase. Talk to me, please, Mr. Moderator. So there's some something bunch of things to follow up on. First, let's mention some of the names that we haven't mentioned, and just because listeners will be expecting. You I mentioned- don't want to mention two names, but I'm you know me. You tell me a name, I'll mention it. Go ahead. As you said, listeners are probably familiar very with- hard for these podcasts. Go ahead. With da- listeners are probably familiar with Dasakanim, Moshev Zakanim, Hadar Zakanim, all like the classic. You have a, uh, we, I think we discussed the commentary, you know, attributed to the Rush. There's the tour, the right, which I don't think the Rush wrote. The yeah. tour, though, the and tour. The Tur HaKotzer, you know, so-called, is mostly Ramazim of Hasidic Ashkenaz. Rabbi Rokeach, a lot of it comes from there. The Maharam himself, the Tamei Hamasora, right? Um, and so on. In the Tur HaOruch, Tur ended up in Spain. He already quotes the Ramban on Chumash. So again, there is material from Baleatos period in Ashkenaz, but that's not, he's not focused on these pshat things, but certainly Torah, Kotzer, Torah. By the way, in the manuscripts, the Kotzer comes first in the parasha. He wrote both at the same time. He gives you first the gematri material, the Ramazim, and then he gives you the, um, the, what do you call it now? The, the, the longer parashanut, if you will. The Rush, I mentioned in my Rush podcast, is Machloket Achokrim. I don't think the Rush wrote it. I think it's a different Rush, but I don't know. Anyway, what other, what other names do you want? So- so, and once you mention those, we'll just mention the early ones. Alter Chasid would have mentioned. There's the there's the Rekeach, which has been published, or is the Rekeach? Was it so not? again the, the, attribute, the one attributed to Rekeach and again, edited by Rukham Kanievsky, by the way. Rukham Kanievsky edited it. Yeah. I didn't mention him mostly because it's Remez and Torah Chasid Ashkenaz. There's very not that there were no Pshatim, but that's certainly not even a, a, a very noticeable layer good. of that. Yeah. Good. Just want to mention good. this. And yes. Matt Bain, published by Klugman, again, edited by Rebchem Kenievsky with his notes. There's also say for a Muslim, Rebbeinu Yoel. Rebchem didn't do that one. And then there's Rebbeinu Ephraim. Ephraim, who he did, right. also did, I think. But Ephraim is a chover of Rebbelozim Ivorms. Uh, the, the most fantastic, or a, fa- I can't resist, a fantastic perush in Rebbe Ephraim, Rebbeinu Ephraim. Is this expression when we're recording this by Echi with the werewolf, No. Not that one. Correct. That one, at least Correct. you know that one. Because everyone knows Correct. Harry Potter, even though Werewolf predates Harry Potter. But Correct. anyway. Again, there's a fellow named Shayevitz who wrote a whole book about the whales. We can Meshuggemachen from all the whales. But anyway, I'm thinking of a more sedate, a more yeshivish parish. He has a yesod. He mentions this actually not in, in, in Zosabrach. He mentions it in the middle, I think, in Tetzaveh. That every, Truma Tetzaveh, I have to remember. Every godel, be Yisrael, who will write big svarim, there's a remiss to those svarim in the Torah. For example, he says, he does it with the Rebbein Hananel too, but he says, for example, the last Pasuk in Chumash, right? Ulechol hayad ha-chazaka, right? How does the Pasuk go? Ulechol ha-moro ha-gadol, right? Sharasa Moshe, right? What's that a remnant to? The Rambam's two main svarim, right? The Yad ha-chazaka and the Moreh with a hey, the Vuchim. That Moshe made. <laughs> you can't make that up. You must have spent many days thinking of that. Anyway, but that's the kind of that, that that's not uncharacteristic of what he does. Go ahead. Yeah, no, and I, so I just checked. So Rukham Kenefsky didn't do it. He only did the Rakech, but right. but I'll read the werewolf one. I grew up learning this new yeah, 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 yeah. To, to tell the listeners it says Binyamin Zaev Yitrif, 
But right. like, yeah, and he says, the Ben Ephraim says, Ze'ev Echo, there's one type of wolf, Yeshakarin Lufgara, who Ben Adam, it's a person, and it changes into a wolf. When he says, when it changes into a wolf, Raglov Yaitim Vek Seifov is the feet go out of his shoulders. Kane bin Yomin Bain Kseifov Shachain. He says, Bizeh Rifuazish Laisis Ave. What how does it get better? Bishash and Nichols Abayas for Adam Yoriman with scared of him. Yikos Dashan at Sibir. It goes on and on. It's, it's a really interesting piece. Anyone see what werewolf? Look at it. So this is already Page mentioned by, by this is already mentioned by Moritz Gideman in his work of a hundred years ago, Hatar of Achayim, where he talks about some of these issues of Hasidi Ashkas. Again, people who are really interested should read Shaivitz. He's a from fellow. And um, uh, what do you call it now? This is part of Torah Hasidi Ashkenaz, with which we associate. Rebuda Hasid has something, Zeicher also, but again, I didn't include that, because nobody will mistake that for Pshuto Shal Mikra on any level, but that's okay. That's Memtes part of the Torah, right? Okay, yeah. good. Now you Good. mentioned the Rebbe Chassid and the Ramesha Feinstein, and right. Ramesha, you know, yeah. So we'll we'll leave that. But also another one is uh, the Tziyuni, Rabbi Nachum Tziyuni. So that's so Tziyuni is a century late. Tziyuni is late 14th century, and again, that's Ashkenazic Sodal Hatorah, which we have some nice additions now. Again, so what you're hearing is Remes Sod. We'd have to do a whole different podcast, but that's okay. But that, that yeah, that I just be- want to point out the difference for Rishis <laughs> And by the way. By the way, talking about your first book, we do have to do something on site at some point here on correct, the podcast. Correct, correct. That's the second book, right. But by the way, this one is the third. Anyway, I can't keep track of it. The, the Baruch Hashem. The, what do you call it? Again, it goes back to what I said initially. There were Balayatosas who did sewed. It's very right. Um, again, I wouldn't, not to take anything away, I wouldn't call the Tsiuni a Balhatosis. He's 100 years too late and he's working in a different milieu. By the way, the Tsiuni is around the time of the Maharil. The Maharil has so too. But these are the late Rishon Ashkenaz who need a whole separate treatment. Right. So, so, so what you're hearing is the Balayatosa Hatora, as they're called, not all of them were Balayatosas. That's okay. Again, these are Tamidi Chachamim who put things together. Okay. So, now, what I want to do. Yes, one, more, one more, one more. But one more, the Paneach Raza. So Paneach yes. Raza, where does he fall in? So I mentioned him, actually. Paneach Raza is late 13th century northern France. He says that he has relatives who are Bali Hatosvis. And the Paneach Raza, actually, in the introduction, to Paneach Raza sounds like it's a sewed book. Right? It's that the gematria of Paneach and Raza both equals Tachzich Mir Yitzchok, which is his name. <laughs> so again, it's very Hasidi Ashkenaz, like Sefer Rokeach is Rokeach. If you spell it with Vav, you mess it up because it's a lozer of worms. The gematria of a lozer is Rokeach without the Vav. Anyway, Panach Raza, though, is one of these Kvatsim, which has all kinds of Sod and Magia and uh, uh, Rabiud Achasid stuff and a lozer Mivorm stuff. But in in the introduction in one or two of the manuscripts, in my mind, Budley in 2344 is one which has it, except the introduction's on the last page, so nobody ma- ma- managed to notice it until I fell on it one day. He says there he's going to have the Perushim of Orlean. Is that Behor Shore Yaakov of Orlean? He's going to have um, uh, some of these other names. He doesn't mention Yom Tov of Zwani. But manuscripts of Panach Raza are the ones that have Yom Tov of Juani. So he knew what he was doing. In other words, he's giving you a, a mixture of Baleatos is doing what I call Pshat, Pshatoshal Mikra, Pshatoshal Mikra, 
certainly some halacha, but he's got, right, some sowed, but he's also got names of all kinds of figures that we don't know. There's a Reb Meisha in there. Which Reb Meisha is it? Fregmach. We, no way we can tell. You know, he's got all kinds of, Reb Chayim, Reb Moshe, he's got all kinds of, all kinds of Yiddish nomen. Again, very late in the period of Balayatosis, and he himself is not, as far as I know, a Balayatosis. He's just a, a collector thereof. So, but that's a very good safer, which they keep promising us a new edition, which is not yet coming, because there are many, many kisvei out of this work, and it would be very nice, like what Langa did with the Perusha Reb Chaim Paltiel, it would be very helpful if anybody's listening out there <laughs> in the, among the Yeshiva Shechevra to do the Paneach Raza. So, <laughs> someone took the existing one and put it with Chumash, Rashi, and Nekudis. I don't know why, but then there's the older Wonderful. one. Wonderful, great. Yeah, so now, now the other one... The chorus, yeah. Let's go to the, the general question, similar to what I asked you er, much earlier in the podcast. Is nope. there's another from this time period? We're missing one of the titans. Where's Marami Rutenberg? Oh, so Marami Rutenberg did what they call Tame Hamasore. He did like the Tour Hakotzer. In fact, any number of things that the Tour Hakotzer says comes from Maharam, who got it from Rebbelazerokeach. Why did he not do Putosha Mikra? He was busy, right? But he does. There is a Perush HaChumish, and now in the Torah's Chaim you have it printed, and it goes, and some of the things are in the Chuvas too. In other words, it, it, it moves around. But so he certainly did something on Chumish, but he stuck with this Tamei HaMasora. Again, Maram was close to Chassidi Ashkenaz. Maram liked his Ramosim. He was obviously very excellent at them. So that's what we have from Maram. So again, it's not everybody does the same thing, but Titan Maram, so to speak, also, Okay? So that's good. Okay. So with your permission, if you think we're ready, I want to go to some examples. Yes? Yes, please. Okay. Let me give you some examples. Some of these, some of these you may stay calm, but some of these will knock your socks off, but you're at home listening, so you don't have to tell us. Um, you can, you can ring into the, uh, you can ring in. Nachi will, will accept your votes on which one you like the best. I, that's not a contest. So let's talk about, first of all, let's talk about Bechor Shore. So before Shore, and I'm going to stick with parishes around this time of the year. We were originally going to do it maybe last week. These are parishes around this time of the year. So first of all, before Shore learns something for Rajbam. He doesn't have Derech Eretz Stam. He has what he calls Derech Ha, right? Not the way of the world, the way you normally work a lot of the Heftza, but the Gavra. So for example, He came back from the field. He was bone-tired. Rashi says, "Corning Chazal." By the way, Why was he so exhausted? And he says, "I can't even pick up my hand. I'm so exhausted. Feed me. Throw it down my throat." Right? Says Rashi. Right? He was ayef min haaveros. He was doing chiyuve misa by the carload five a day. That'll tire anybody out. That's an agadame. And as Asaph was a disgusting person. After he was hunting the animals, he was also doing all these averos. So he came back completely eskematik. All right. So he said to Yaakov, I'm about to die here. You can have the Bechorah. All of this is trying to show that Yaakov didn't take the Bechorah under false pretenses. Esav said, I'm willing to deal. Okay. Says Bechor Shor, Derech Hatzayadim Lios Ayefim. He says, hunters get very tired because the way of the hunters is they go into the yard for three or four straight days and they valgatzacharayin they're starving. They're hungry. There's no, there's no, you know, uh, uh, season Seven Eleven to stop by. They can't get a, a refill. You know, they got nothing to eat. They got nothing. They life. They life. They life. They're exhausted. Right? And he says that Asa would come back from these hunting, these crazy safaris, 
where he literally couldn't put his hand to his mouth to eat. And that's why he tells Yaakov, pour the stuff down my throat, because otherwise I'm not going to make it. I maybe he could have gone home to Mama. Yaakov is out with the field with the sheep. Mama is another mile away. He can't make the last mile. So he sets up what I'll call a pshat mitzius here. This is what was going on. And so uh, um, uh, he ate, and he got better, right? And he says at that point, according to Bechor if I'm going to die, right, what's a Bechor worth? It's all the money in the world. Your life is more, even your ace of me, your life is more important. Today, I don't all know that. Your life is more important than all your money, right? And uh, that's it. And he thought maybe Yitzchak could make it back up to him and so on and so forth. So this is Derech Eretz, right? Derech Hatzayadim, right? The background here, Pshat, right? In other words, not that Esav was crazy. This is Derech Hatzayadim. They do this. They go on these benders, right? They go, you can't go every day to the forest. It's far, far away to get to the animals you want. So you go crazy for a few days. You get no sleep. You get no food. You come back. Your eyes come out for sure. And therefore, what Yaakov did was not under false pretenses. Esav said, I literally can't put my hand to my mouth. Interestingly here, how does Rashbam so that's what the food was about. The food was a triasamasim. And for that food, he gave, he gave his, he saved his life by eating the food. How does Rashbam learn it? So if you ever remember this, Rashbam says, Oh, again, everybody's trying to, to defend how did Yaakov get the Bechorah in a non tricky, not through trickery. Says Bechor, sure. Asav was in this matzav. You could document it. This is how people went, right? So to speak. It's like the latter. This is how people operated. It makes some sense. Rashbam tries to do the same thing, but he goes even further. Right? Rashbam says that the meal is like the businessman lunch. In those days, he says the minig was that when you finish a big business deal, what do you do? You have a meal to celebrate the deal. So that's what the food was about, says Rashbam. The food was not because he was, whatever. Yaakov gave him a four spice, and then they had a big meal, Shekorim Babria, right? And that's what the food was about. Says Bechor Shor, Ubadaut Be'enai. Right? This Tamar, what means Badaut? Badaut means he made it up. Tvarim Shabadamilibo. What do you mean Rashbam made it up? Because there's nothing in the Pasuk to tell you the Hechitimtza that Rashbam very cogently suggests. He might be right about the custom to have a meal when a deal is sealed. It's not what it says in the Pasek. It says he ate this meal because he couldn't put his hand to his mouth. He's plotting. Says before Shor, my way accounts for every detail in a very natural way. Rashbam does not. So he's interested in being like Rashbam, but he doesn't want to go as far. And by the way, he follows this up. Rivka takes the clothing of Esav Beno HaGadol HaChamudos, his very, you know, not cute clothing, but his fancy clothing, which he has in her house, he says again, Bechor Shor, the Derech HaTzayadim, they always have another set of clothes. They can't go in public and they're hunting clothes. It smells like who knows what. So they always keep in the locker room, in the mama's house, they keep the tuxedo. So that's why he has a tuxedo, right? Again, Bechor Shor explains every detail here without darshaning anything, right? You don't have to darshan the... Of course he was an Avarian. You don't need any of these drushes. Just read the psukim and all the facts, so to speak, come to the floor for... And again, uh, Yaakov made a kosher deal. It was an Asek Takin, and uh, that's the way it went. Okay, that's one. Now I'll give you one that will really make you 
I think this will be maybe a, a sock uh, loser as follows. Um, uh, the story of Yehuda and Tamar. Right? So Rashi learns Yehuda and Tamar. What happened? Uh, the sons died. Yehuda ends up with Tamar. And, uh, you know, to get his attention and says, uh, right, they tell him Harl is Dunim. Oh, she's guilty. And uh, she comes up and says, the one who, the father of this child, right, uh, 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 you know, left me these things, whatever it is, right? And Yehuda says, oh, sad kami many, right? Famously, she's right. I should say it right, correctly. According to Rashi, the pshat is sad me many. She's right, it's mine. Meaning you can't kill her. And, you know, I did the wrong thing. I didn't, I didn't give her, um, uh, my son Shayla. Of course, he couldn't stay with Tamar because he couldn't be with her. Okay. Uh, the Ari learns based on this that what? Melech uh, HaMashiach can come. The Mashiach can come from unfortunate circumstances, like by Rus. Sometimes the most unusual circumstances can nonetheless produce Mashiach. That's how Rashi learns it, right? Did I get it right? I think so. Okay, good. How does Bahor Shor learn it? You got to look this up. Bahor Shor says, wait a second. What does Yehuda say to his sons, to the second son? The Abemosa. You marry Tamar, do Yibum. You know, Yabay means to marry. Yibum mandakashme, the Pasik. What means Yibum? Says before sure that Kodem Matan Torah, the din of Yibum, applied to all males. There was already a mitzvah Yibum Kodem Matan Torah. By the way, Rabbi Chilmi Pariz quotes this in a Kaviad Bodlian from a Psikta that we don't have, but okay. This is, let's go backwards. Right? There's a mitzvah of Yibum Kodem Matan Torah, which affects not only the brother of the mace, but even the father. And so basically, and Yehuda knew it, and Tamar knew it. And Kodem Matan Torah, the difference is it has to do with things that get Nishne Achalacha Matan Torah. Kodem Matan Torah, as I say, all males could do Yibum, including whom? The father. So what does Tamar say to Yehuda, right? Uh, you, you, what's her taina? You didn't, Yehuda didn't marry me, nor did he give me Shayla. He could have done it. Shayla could have done it. Neither of them did Yibum. Therefore, she smokes out Yehuda. But now what turns out? It turns out that Yehuda and Tamar, is that a, uh, 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 an Isser? No. Kodem Matan Torah, he could have done Yibum to her. So first of all, Mashiach is not coming from a a prohibited relationship. Mashiach is coming from the right the right relationship, right? Kodem Matan Torah, the father could have done Yibum, as Isaacman. Okay. He says, by the way, before sure, and that's what Boaz did too. He's not a father. Any male who's available from the family, from the top down, Kodem Matan Torah does Yibum. Lacha Matan Torah, the father can't, the brother can, and certainly any cousins, Krovim, Plony Almoni, all related males get in there. Do your job. Okay, who's ever the closest one? So now let's look at the Pasik. So before sure learns Tadkami many, not the way Rashi does. Tzadka, she's right, it's mine. Whoops. Right? Something <laughs> right? She was right to, to run after me, but it's a tough relationship. He says, Tzadka, she's a bigger tzaddik than me, Tzadkami many. She's right, she knows she knows the halacha. Kilona Satila Shayla Bani. There's a Yibum here. So again, 
He saves the whole Mashiach Zeit, Bias Mashiach. He saves the Pshat and the Pasik. So then the only question that, that Bechor Shor is stuck with is, why did he stay married to her? So Bechor Shor says, well, Minhadin he could have, but he thought she was a Katlonis. <laughs> he didn't want to take a chance. Right? Minhadin, mutter. Right? Listen to Mershor's Hadin. Don't take a chance. Who says this very same parish, by the way? This is an unbelievable shot. And it's based on Yabain, right? Again, Rashi does, you know, a kind of Agados Hermia shows the very Mikrai quotes. Chazali does things, right? Before Shur goes right to the text. Who says the very same shot here? I, I only have the uh, Balha podcast, so I'm not going to ask him personally. But if you're thinking at home, the Ramban, you'd be 100% right. The Ramban says it, Kimat Mila Bimila. Two things. Number one, the Ramban then goes into a whole addition. Why is Ibum so important? Because of the Kabbalistic reason, right? The Hisharus Hanefesh and so on and so forth. There's very little doubt in my mind, and actually people have written about this, that, that Ramban got this parish from Bechor Shor. He had Bechor Shor. Ramban is not a big footnoter. He has Rashbam too. And Rashbam is quite a good Pashtun, right? Rashbam argues with Rashi. Rashbam suggests other Pshatim. Right? He got this from Bahor Shore. And he says also, Sadka me many, she's firmer than me, right? She's she's more bigger lambda than me. She's more right than I am. Right? Not like Rashi said, oops, Sadka me many. The only difference is Ramban explains Loyasaf all the data a little differently. Maybe he doesn't want to talk about Katlonis. He says it's unseemly. In other words, to be with his his son's wife. It's not so nice, you know, just mitzad animus. I mean, I didn't, it's butter, but don't do that. Yes, sir. So I, I want to add, I don't know if you were going to say this. I hope I'm not feeling no. your thunder on this Pusik. Getting to your second group, Rabbi Dachasid, there's a Rabbi Dachasid on this Pusik. That's quite I'm getting there. Oh, I'm Am I going to steal it from you? Because I know this Rabbi Dachasid. This is the a. Burning, uh, the burning. I'll see you with a Zisaref. Yeah, it's quoted in the Torah. Arach and Aksava Kabbalah quotes it. But I'll let you, I'll let you oh, do it. Torah, we'll Torah, Arach. Hold your horses. You'll get in yeah, one minute. We have I want to do one more before we show We've got to write to you with Chasid. The last one is coming up in in the beginning of Shmos. The Pasuk says, when Moshe Rabbeinu gets to the Sneh, Shal Nalecha, but, but remember his Rilachos, you're going to hear one minute. Shal Nalecha Me'al Raglecha, take your shoes off your feet, because the Mokam was Admas Kodesh. Where was Moshe going to take his shoes off from? His ears? Take your shoes off your feet. Say, Shal Nalecha, take off your shoes, stay a while, it's Kodesh. What's Me'al Raglecha? Where's he wearing his Nalite? So it says before, sure, and it's very obvious. You got to take off your shoes, cause it's the shoes. He's a roa. The shoes have been in the sheep dip. God forbid, it's not nice, right? The, 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 the mikdash and so on, right? Uh, it, you shouldn't bring your dirty shoes into the makom kudosh. But he says like this, because naal stam naal doesn't mean sh- in modern Hebrew. It means shoe. What does naal mean essentially? Leatherware, leatherware. What kind of leatherware could you have? You could have a glove. Maybe he means take off your gloves. Where do you have the idea in Tanakh that Na'al means a glove? 
He says, that's the pshat by Boaz. Right? I always wondered, according to the Pasuk, right, Shalaf Yishnalo, they, they, they exchange shoes, or they gave, right, a, a suitor there, they exchange shoes. So when I was a little boy, Khrushchev came to the UN and he was banging on the table with his shoes. My mother got very excited. She said, uh, uh, anyway, now we have more Vildechayas, worse. So it's not his shoes. It could be his glove. So therefore, he says, I don't mean your glove, I mean your shoes. So but what's the importance of taking off a glove? Says before Shore, in Laaz, what's the name for a glove? Gaunt. The gauntlet. In the medieval context, he says, When noblemen make deals in France in my day, they take off the glove. You know, it's, you know, right? It's a challenge. So it's very good. He said, Take off your gloves. It means you're with me. You know, you, 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 we're making a kenyan here. No, that's not the posik. It's take off your shoes because it's makam kadosh. It's a halach. It's not a French custom, right? Right? So he learns the Boaz posik. It's just very clever. It's pshat par excellence, right? You know, okay. That's the third before Now, let me go to Yehuda Chosin. I'll start with the one that Nachi mentioned. He could say it too. He learned it from me. It's good, right? It says by Tamar, Learning way Rashi learns, Hotsiyo of Sarefa, learning the Apostle learns, right? Shabas Kohen, she's supposed to get Sarefa, but the problem is she's not really an Arusa, she's not really an Asua, maybe she's a Yavama, who knows, but that's not what Rashi says, right? That's so Ramban's you, question. That, that that's question, right? that's the Ramban's question on Rashi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are you killing her? Correct, right? She doesn't deserve Misa here. So Rebuda Chosid, in the Vatican Ktaviyad, Rebuda Chosid says, Si Saref, Siman Belechayayim. You singe her cheek, knasa ba'alma. And then he says further in the two kisvayad, the Moscow and the Cambridge, which is where his parish comes from, Amr Avi Mori, right? Why didn't it say it can't be to burn her because she's a bashem, jabas kohen? Can't be. Why? Because it should have said, Hotsiyu of the Sisaref ba'esh. Because in Parshas Emor, where a Basco and Kisechel is nos, as Aviha Himachales, Ba'esh Tisareif. It tells you in plain English, you gotta give a Sreifa. It doesn't say that here, right? It doesn't say Aish. I understand you can't burn it with water, right? It doesn't say that. Elafia Pshat, this is Rabbi Yochas' words to the son. According to the Pshat, singe her cheeks and her uh, um, um, what do you call it? her teeth? Kimosha osim Ganovim. Again, in medieval Europe, right? Certain crimes of theft, you were just killed. But for others, they give you a sign. Bistachaganov. What does this remind us of from when we read English literature when we were very little kids? Well, that's for little kids. The scholar, hey, you put a simin as Givarn and Avarian. That's Yudah Chosid. Fantastic. That's Pshat, folks. Yes. Yeah, they would brand her. And this is... So the, her, right. The Torah Aruch quotes it, B'Shem Rabbi Yudah Chosid. He quotes it on this Pasuk. She used to follow Roish and Ben Panei. He says, Rabbi Yudah Chosid Pirish. Right. The, now, where I know this originally from is Daksava Kabbalah, Rabbi Akasi Mecklenburg, quotes it on this Pasuk. Who's century, who centuries later, just for the yeah, record. Good. Centuries later. Good. But he, good. He, adds, good. he adds there also, V'chein Kosav HaRosh, who the Rosh is, is the Maisa Shemalaz Ashkenazi, not Rabbi Yudah right. Right. And he says, and he quotes him saying, in the Arab lands, she called Zoyna. And he's Zoyna Shemafkar. Oh, that's the scholar. Hey, that's, he says, right. They brand her. Right. 
So in the 19th century, it's the Arab world. In the in in 13, early 13, Rabbi Hasid dies in 1217. He's not much younger than Bechor Shor. In 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 that period, they burned Ganovim. Perfect. They gave him a, they gave him a, a simon. Okay, very good. You wouldn't think Rabbi Hasid would say that he does. Finally, for him, a little different kind of a shot, but this is he he does this a lot. It's on Parsha Shmos. Hanting Cedra almost, right? Next week, two weeks. The Pasik says, I could do Vay I could do Vayachi too, but I want to get to the other ones. Uh what does the Pasik say? Vatiftach, Basparo opened the teva. Matreya say yelet, Vihinea Nar Bocha. She saw, right? She opened the teva. She sees the yelet, and the nar is crying. So Rashi says, right? Moshe had a very mature stimmer. He was a little baby, but he gave out a, a, a an oi from an alta yid, right? Okay, because the problem is, what's the pshat problem? She saw the yelled, who boche? What's the hanar boche? Who's the hanar? So yeah, right? The chazal. Moshe was perfect. Moshe had all kinds of things well beyond his age, right? His uh, whole uh, mahos was beyond his age. So he's a yelled, but he's also a nar. Good. Nar in the best sense. Says the son of Rabbi Chosid, Moshe. Moshe was a little baby. Aaron was three. Nar just means in medieval Hebrew, a yelled could be a 20 year old, a nar could be a 25 year old. As long as a yell is younger than a nar, it's fine. The little bebel. She opened the she opened the thing and she sees baby Moshe. And then Aaron starts crying. Aaron Mandakashmei, says Rabbi Chosid. Aaron was sitting on what we call the dock of the bay. He was sitting on the Namal, he was sitting on the riverbank, watching his brother. How does he know that? I'll tell you why. Miriam was behind the bushes. She's already a big girl. She's six. She doesn't want to be seen. She's hiding behind the bushes. But Aaron is also there worried about his brother, right? Three-year-old Aaron already knows his brother's in trouble. He could be in trouble. And on the other hand, you can't tell if a three-year-old maybe didn't have yet his payas and his tzitzis, right? Can't tell he's a Jewish kid. He's sitting there, a little baby, a little young boy, a three-year-old is sitting there watching. I would say he was sucking on his lollipop. Miriam's hiding behind the bushes. When Basparo opens the teva, right? Aaron couldn't stand it anymore. He's fearing for his brother. Give out! She's going to drown him! So little three-year-old Aaron, who's not a simple three-year-old either, starts doing what? What? Bursts into crying. But here's the important part. He couldn't hold himself back. The Pasek says, When Basparo saw whoever was crying, cry, and she said, so how does she know he's a Jewish baby? So again, the Chazal, he was Mahul, and all kinds of simonim. According to Rabbi Chassid, it's beautiful. She says, I know he's a Jewish baby. You know why? Because only three-year-old Jewish brothers cry when the little baby is being attacked, right? Only they have the Rachmanis themselves to worry about a, a little bebola. The three-year-old is crying. It's not that I know that the baby's Jewish. I know the brother crying is Jewish. So the male of the baby's Jewish. Now that's fantastic. Again, he gives you tremendous background here. It's reading it out of the Pasik. Again, the Chisaron in quotes is, it doesn't say Aaron, but it says that Miriam's watching. Ke'aron, Ke'miriam, Ke'in Aaron, and he doesn't have to be behind the bushes with her because he's little, he can sit in front. 
On the other hand, what putting R in here does, it solves the entire problem. First of all, it solves the Yelid Nar problem. Yelid is Moshe, crying Nar is Aro, number one. Number two, it solves the bigger problem. How does she know this baby is a Jewish baby? Rachmanim Bashanim Gomel Chasarim. Right? Only Jewish kids would cry like that. Now, the truth is, this pshat actually is found in a medrash called Midrash Avkir. Avkir stands for Thrashe Tevis. Amen, right? Avkir. Bimheira Kenyahi Rotson. Azar Medrash, which we don't have anymore, but a number of Rishon quoted it, including the Hasidic Ashkenaz. So but I call it a syncopated approach. In other words, you have two words in a Posik that don't quite stim. You have two different stories in the Posik. Yeled, looking, Naar Bocheh, syncopated. That goes A, that goes B, that introduces this theme, and I go through it. Very clever. And he does it, he does the same kind of thing in other places where he skips from one to the other. What do you think about that? That's pretty interesting, right? Okay. Now let's go back for a minute and let me fill in quickly with you Rabbi Yomtov of Joani, Rabbi Yaakov Olian, and we'll, we'll, and the smog, and we'll wrap it up. And we'll put it back together again. Rabbi Yomtov of Joani, two perushim I want to share. One on the brothers coming to buy Tfuah from Yosef. And the second on Parshim Mishpatim on the Nirza in the doorway. On Yosef and the brothers, the Pasik says two things that he finds odd, Rabbi Yom Tov Number one, why does it say that the brothers came They came with the other people who are coming to get food from Egypt. Where did they come from? They came from the moon? I mean, of course they came with the other people coming to get food. I mean, what? And right there it says, Yosef, who hashalit, who hamashbir. He's both the ruler and he's also the cook. You know, he's the he's the quartermaster, mashbir, the, the the supermarket chain in Israel. I think I don't know if they're almost all open, right? He runs the whole thing and he's also providing the food. If he's running the whole thing, who cares who's giving out the food? We don't care whether he's giving out the food or not. He's in charge. So says Yom Tov think about this. He says it goes like this. What's behind this story, again, is a kind of derech eretz, which was what was behind Rabbi Yudachasit too, in a way. They don't use the term, but that's what it is. When Yosef was charged, was tasked with getting all the food together, and Yosef says, I'm going to gather the food, and I'm going to sell it. So at that point, Kluge Yidin and Kluge Goyim. Businessmen said, oh, we have a money-making, from every tsara, God forbid, we have a money-making opportunity, namely, we'll be middlemen. We'll go to Mitzrayim, we'll buy up 40 billion tons of food, we'll take it uh, uh, two hours out of Mitzrayim, or 10 hours, we'll, we'll take it out 100 miles, and we'll sell it to anybody who wants to buy it, who's coming from other places, 50% extra. We'll make a fortune, we'll make a killing. We'll be middlemen. Yeah? Natural human reaction, right? Kluger Yitin, Kluger Goy, Yosef is too smart for them. Yosef says, but I have one condition over here. First of all, we are going to have a rule, one batch per customer, you know, one special per customer. So nobody can buy up 40,000 shares. Every person gets one amount, number one. Number two, at the same time, I have the right, or I have the responsibility to sell. Every, I have to. I have the right to meet everybody who comes to buy. You're gonna have to see me. No middlemen. One per customer. No middlemen. The brothers would have loved middlemen. They said, "Oh, we'll get the middleman. We'll pay two times as much. We just shouldn't have to go to Mitzrayim. Maybe see this guy." 
Yosef forfended all of that. They came to Mitzrayim. They had to get online like everybody else. And Yosef, now, I don't imagine that he interviewed everybody coming, but when he knew, like, the border control in Israel, when they knew somebody special was coming, Lahavdil, he said, oh, I'm in charge here. I'll interview. And Dosset Pshat, who hashalit, who hamashbir. Because he was the ruler, he also appointed himself the head giver outer in order to make absolutely sure that he met the brothers. Clever, no? Again, no chazal there, right? Okay. Similarly, this is another kind of a derech eretz. Ratzah, the novice has noble matzeya, right? By the delis, you take the evid, the evid ivri, the beginning of parish mishpatim, and you pierce his ear, right, in the doorpost, right? Why the doorpost? So Rashi says beautifully, This ear, it's symbolic. You, the Eved, you took, you, you stayed for too long. You're staying for too long because right? You should be a Ben Chorin to be Avadai, Avadai right? You should be worshiping only me. You want to go against the, the Cherus to be a Yid a little bit, right? You're going to, right? You're going to have all these responsibilities and all these uh, things to do. We hit you in the ear because you should have heard better. Okay. Say it like that. Says Yom, Yom Tevajwani, again, doesn't quote Rashi, doesn't argue with Rashi. He says like this. He says, I have a very simple reason why they use the doorpost and why the ear. It's what I would call, uh, uh, forgive me, Lahavdal, biblical criminal identification, biblical DNA, as follows. Somebody's an Evid Ivri Olam, Avadal Olam, right? What's the biggest problem? The fellow just signed up for up to the Yovel, right? Not like Rashbam says, to the Yovel. Could be many years. And around year 10, he says, I'm sick of this joint. I'm getting out of here. Okay. So he shows up and people see him and they see he has this big strich in his ear. So if they had branded his leg or they did something on his arm, he could say, Ooh, I fell out of my bed. I tripped over a, you know, a boulder. Nobody gets injured in the ear. I mean, it's, it's, you know, nobody. So, number one, it's going to prevent the Evid Ivory himself from trying to escape. Right? Again, who gets a zashing in the loba? It's just, it's like not possible, right? Even a, even a kid who's a troublemaker can't do that. But moreover, what's the other problem with the Evid Ivory? The problem is you have an Evid Ivory. Again, he escaped. And they tell the Adonim, listen, we have an Evid Ivory. We're not sure who he is, whose he is, who does he belong to. So one Adon says, he's mine. I lost an Evan Ivory last year. He's my guy. And the other one says, no, he's my guy. How do you prove whose own, whose Evan he is? You go to the doorpost, like Cinderella Havdil, and you fit his ear into the doorpost, whichever doorpost fits the ear that he has the strich. In other words, you put the ear into the doorpost, you'll be able to tell 100% who the real owner is. Derech Eretzel Avadim Ivriim, Yom Tov of Juani. Okay. Interestingly, Ketaviyat, there's one particular Ketaviyat that has a lot of his Perushim. 80, 90 Perushim. I identified, I don't know, 40, 50, 60, there are more. Anyway, I, I wrote about them. I, I identified all of them. Who knows if there are more? Okay. Yaakov of Orlean. So, again, just too quickly, and then we'll do uh, Smog, which is in some ways very, very interesting. Um, Yaakov of Orlean. Um, so you have also in Parsha Shmos, 
you have, first of all, by the way, before Shmos, Mikates uh, Vayigash, right? Uh, Rashi says that how did Yosef prove to his brothers he was Yosef? He brought them close. He showed them the brismila, right? That's what Rashi says, based on Chazal, showed them the brismila. Good. Frek Yaakov of Orlean, again, it's good to ask questions on Rashi too. Frek Yaakov of Orlean, wait a second. In Parshas Mikates, based on the Pasuk, Paro says to the Mitzrayim, whatever Yosef tells you to do, you should do. And again, Rashi Darshan's based on the Medrash. Yosef told him to get a bris mila. Whole interesting discussion, right? Whether mila was a chiyavan goyim pre-matan Torah. So if everybody has a mila, how are they supposed to tell that Yosef is their brother? All the Egyptians had a mila. He gives two teruts in the, the uh, Yaakov Orlean. Number one, he says, again, Tosin Yavam is a whole discussion. Again, it's Lamdis, but it's Pshat and Rashi, right? Um, the Mitzrayim had Mila, they had no Chi of Priya. Him, he, his Mila, he showed them the Priya, number one. Number two, he told the, the Egyptians, the excuse he gave the Egyptians was, again, he was doing it, as Yaakov Olyan says, to have the B'nai Noach, right? Do all the mitzvahs that are incumbent upon them. So if you hold that Mila was also called a Matan Torah, not, again, after Matan Torah, it wasn't to the guy, according to any opinion. It's Machlokas Amaroyim, uh, right? Uh, in the Gemara. So, in the Gemara Sanhedrin. So, um, uh, pre-Matan Torah, he told them, you're, my, you're poor, you have to get a bris Mila. They said, yes, sir, where do we start? We have to eat, Right? But the brothers had been in Yosef's house. They knew he was no poor person. If he's got a bris mila, he's not getting it because he's got to say uncle to anybody. So again, they knew that he was different. All right. The Chizkuni, by the way, gives a third shot. He quotes those two. Doesn't say from whom. He's a safe. He gives a third shot. What do the brothers know about the meal of the Egyptians? They didn't pull down everybody's pants, God forbid, right? They, he shot him a meal. All this we know. Anyway, very interesting. Okay. But the one in, in, in Parsha Shmos, I think, is even more interesting. It says that after uh, the Mialdos, right, Vayaslahem bought him. He made for them houses. Vosepis. So it sounds like a reward. Well, that's the question. Is it a reward? Is it a punishment? Who? What? So Rashi again, Darshan's Chazal, bought a Kahuna, right? Levia Kahuna, Machos, right? He gave them lineage. The Batim or a great reward. He gave the Mialdos these lineages. Again, who said anything in the Pasuk about, you know, Kahuna, Levi, and Malchus, anything else? That's the Chazal. Good. Rashbam says, Omek Pshutosho Mikra, Vayaslahem Batim, he built houses for the Miyaldos to keep them under house arrest. He built them houses and he locked them in, so you shouldn't do that stuff anymore. Very nice. Yaakov Orlean says, no, I have a dreidel here. I have a little day. Namely, Vayaslahem Batim, Paro built houses for the Egyptians who would surround the Miyal. The same idea. But again, he didn't have an alarm system. He had actual Egyptians living around there. In fact, that way, if there were babies in the Egyptian houses, if the Mialdos were hiding any babies, you know, when one baby cries, they all cry. It's a Gemara, right? They all cry. They'll be able to sense out very well that these, what these Mialdos are doing. How does he get this parish? How, how did he invent this? Because he noticed something about the the, the Ivris that others may not have been his makpin on. If the batim were for the Mialdos, whether according to Rashi, or for, right, reward batim, or according to Rashbam, you know, uh, prison batim, what should it have said? You can answer, you know, stam plural is masculine, 
Yaakov Orlean says, Vayas Lahem, it's an ambiguous reference, he made houses for them, plural, male, for the Egyptians, right? Not that the houses weren't for the Mialdos, the houses were for the Egyptians to surround the Mialdos. Again, a very clever diuk. He doesn't tell you that that's the diuk, but that's clearly the diuk. And in that way, he's quote unquote, I don't want to say improving Rashi and improving Rashbam, but he's giving you a different mahalach. Okay. We'll get to the smog now, who in some ways is my favorite on some of these things. Oh, I'm sorry, the rid, just very quickly, the rid. The rid, Rashi had said that when Lot left Avram, right, that's when Acharehi Poret Lot Meimo, Piresh Hamore, the Rebbe gave the Pshat that as long as that Lot was with Avram, the Shechina wouldn't come to him. Okay. So how come about five psukim before in the same perek, the Pasuk says, Flash from the HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you're going to get the land, don't worry. So you want to tell me that's a klein agilui? Eh, hard to understand. So he says, so, so I'll give you a pshat reason why the Rabboni Shalom showed up when Lot left. Again, Rashi says he showed up when Lot left because now he could he could be free to communicate. So what do you call this other little communication, like a sigh, a smack? So the, the Rid says, Listen, Lot was problems, Lot was trouble, but he was still Avram's nephew. He was still Mishpacha. So when Lot left, Avram was a little mitzvah, a little depressed, a little upset. So that's why Kodesh Baruch Hu appeared to Avram, to give him, you know, not not Bikacholim, uh, uh, but uh, to give him, uh, you know, a little chizik. Very clever. One. Two. Says Bechor Shor, and he says this in Kisi, so when Moshe says, Harani Nosk Vodecha, says Bechor Shor, says Reed, I'm sorry, Rabbi Shai Detrani, look at how Moshe matured in his role. When he began with HaKodesh Baruch Hu, right, with the snare, what does it say there? What does it say? That Moshe was Yorei Mela Habit. Moshe was afraid to look at the snare. He was so nervous. He was so afraid of talking of this. He knew it was something unbelievable. He was so afraid he couldn't even look to see HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to hear HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He couldn't even look at the, at the thing that was there and listen. He, could, he was afraid. He was afraid to go near. By the end of Sefer Shmos, Harenas Kodecha, I'm ready to meet you. Says the, the Rid, that shows you how Moshe, so to speak, grew into his role as Moshe Rabbeinu. Again, very interesting Ha'ara. These are not in Chazal. These are Pshatim. All right. Finally, uh, the Smag. Okay, we'll do a couple very quickly. First of all, the um, uh, uh, the Smag has um, uh, um, Leia had a third child. She had Ruvain, Shimon, Levi. And the Pesach says, oh, she called him Levi, ki now, yilavei shi elai, ki alati So Rashi again used a beautiful chazal, mi'ashevaz divrei ha'mikra, why is three the magic number? Because the, 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 uh, the mahos and the shvachos too, were, had ruach ha'kodesh nevuah, and they knew that Yaakov was going to have 12 sons between the four of them, so Leah said, I was out to my quota. You know, I did my job. I'm in the barn. I had I had the minimum. They assumed four wives, three each is 12. That's what Rashi says. Says the says Moshe Mikutsi is quoted by the Minachas um, Yehuda. No. He gives two, there are two versions of the kids, but they say the same thing. Like this. When you have two children, so the mother could take one, 
and the nursemaid could take the second. What does the father take? Nothing. Doesn't have to. <laughs> right? Or the other version, right? When there are two children, the mother could take one yingle under one arm and the other yingle under the other arm, and the father still doesn't have to do anything. I don't mean it badly. When the third son, Yaakov has to show up. I don't have three hands. And, and unless you learn the two shots together, we can't handle three children. He's going to have to do something with them. It's unbelievable. Just practically speaking. Wow. Davar Davar Shani, in some ways, even more surprising. But again, Mitzias, right? The background, this kind of background, Mitzias here. Um, a difference between Dibros Rishonos and Dibros Shneos, right? Um, uh, there's a very interesting difference. You can't miss it when you hear it on the Dibra of Losachmod. In Shmos and Yisro, it says Losachmod, right? Eshre, Hamor, Sharo, no, there's property and so on and so forth. Don't covet. In Voyaschanan, it says Losisaveh. Same idea. And Ibn Ezra, of course, has the longest Ibn Ezra on Chumash is the one before in Yisro, before the Dibros, talking about the many differences. Not just Zachar Vashomer, that's the tip of the iceberg. So here's a difference in the verb, but there's one other glaring difference. When you hear it laying, you can't miss it. Amongst the specific items that you're not supposed to be homemade, God forbid, right? Or misaveh, right? Again, in Shmos, Shoro, Chamoro, Koloshelriach, right? In Vaschanan is one word that's not at all even hinted at in Yisro, namely Sadehu. Don't covet his field. It's on a Azlagayresh, the Balkari, I won't I won't repeat it for you, but the Balkari, oh, it's a big Sadehu, right? How come that's not in the first version? Zokter Moshe Mikutsi, because where were B'nai Yisro when the first set of Dibros given? Where were they? Yisrael, they were in Harsinai, they were in the Midbar. Okay. Where were we in the second Dibras given? Voyaschanan, right? Taras, right? The Mishnah Torah. They were coming Samochli Yishuv, right? Don't go into this land, do go into that land, right? Uh, this nation will help you, that nation won't help you. They're coming Samochli Yishuv, they're getting very close to Eretz When you're in the middle of the desert, who thinks about having a Sadeh? The Sada on Monday will not be the same spot on Tuesday because the sand will shift. Nobody could think about a Sada, so don't mention it. It's not relevant. When you're getting Samuch Liyushev, they're seeing how people are living, how the Goyim are living. Ooh, I'd like a coin a lot, please. I'd like that one. Sada, he has it. I want it. I'll pay extra. No, do it properly. Don't don't be misavit. Right? Therefore, Sada. Now, what's interesting about this Perush is there's something like this also in Rabiudah Chosid as well. Very interesting, which in some ways is even more startling. And that is as follows. Um, Rabbi Chassid points out a similar kind of a difference between, um, uh, between what do you call it now, between um, uh, uh, Parshas Kashrus. In Shmini, when it mentions the Ophos Temeim, Right, Ophos again is a word that's Ophos to me. Uh, the three that lead off the list of, of trafin of birds are Eshanesher, probably not an eagle, probably more of a Gryffindor, some kind of a bird of prey. Vesaperes, right, a vulture. Vesaosnia, again, one of those big birds with the big wings that swoops down. Okay, those are the three that are traf. In Re'e, when Kashros is revisited, 
the Pasuk lists the same three, the same three lead off. You know, I promise Ra'a and Da'a and Chazal. Okay, now here it's the same three words, but missing a little tiny word in between. It doesn't say Es Hanesha ve Es Haperes ve Es Ha'ozniya. It says Hanesha ve Haperes ve Ozniya. Leaves out the S's. So what? So my eighth grade grammar teacher might have said, definite article. Who could get excited about this except an eighth grade grammar teacher? What does it mean? Yes and S, no and S. Forget about it. Says Rabbi Rachosid, and Rabbi Rachosid came before Moshe Mikusi. It might have been a relationship. It's not clear. He says like this. Again, where were B'nai Yisroel when they got Parsha Shmini? Shmini, Shmori Man Miluim. They're, they're building a Mishkan. They're in the middle of the Midbar, right in the middle. Where are they in Re'ei? What's it got to do with birds? When you're in the middle of the desert, right? Who flies around the desert? Birds of prey. They're looking for lunch. Vultures, Gryffindors, Ala Vilda, you know, uh, uh, here in Teaneck, they have hawks. Those are like planakite. And somebody once showed me a, a hawk trying to get a squirrel. Very interesting. Anyway, he didn't get them, luckily. But anyhow, um, so when you're in the midbar, what did Moshe say? He was a good Rebbe. Es Hanesher, ooh, look up there. That's the Nesher. There's a show and tell. Es HaPeres, the Ace HaOzniya. Look, look, look. Don't eat them. When they come to Parsha Sre'eh, Somuch Yishuv, Moshe would love to show them these vultures and these birds of prey, except they're not there. They don't hang around the live cities. They hang around in the boonies to, um, you know, to pick off, God forbid, people who are nifter, Right? He has nothing to show them. Therefore, it's Hanesher HaPeres Vosniyot. It's like Zayitnu, S-S-S. Wow. That's again rebuke HaChosin. Very similar to what Moshe Mikusi says in terms of Sadehu. I can't prove to you that he got it from Rebuke HaChosin, but it's certainly a case of great minds thinking alike. Okay. So that's, those are my key examples. I think I want to almost the smog, but that's pretty good. What do you say, Mr. Chairman? Well, I'll just wrap it up. I'll sum it up once more, but, but uh, talk to me here. Uh, it sounds good, hopefully, for the listeners. I mean, you gave them a lot of examples, so we gave some concrete, you know, kind of... Right, I didn't, want, I didn't want to just say, believe me, again, you want more examples? I'm not selling the book, but read the book. You'll get more. You'll get many more examples. Yeah, and I'll link to the book in the show's notes. And as you mentioned, so I'll just mention, first of all, Bechar Shar, which, as you said, is really a wonderful thing for uh, people to read and learn. I don't know if the Masada of Cook edition is around. I, last time I was told, it's maybe not in print, and that's a good edition. Um, the Cheskuni Masada of Kok is, the, the Rabbeinu Hananel with the Muke Rid Masada of Kok is around. I think, uh, as we were mentioning, Rabbi Philip, who's put a lot of uh, super commentaries in Russia, right. recently printed a seven-volume set, and now it's in there, but it's again, it's with a lot of other commentaries. Uh, the Sefer Agan is Masada of Kok as well, but right. I'm not sure if it's around or not. Rush Bab, yeah. there's the Chorev edition from Professor Lakshin, who's been on the right. podcast, nice edition. Um, I'm just trying to think uh, some of the other ones. I know the Izvahadar Morcheves Chomish Morcheves seven volume has a whole bunch of the Balitoises in the back uh, because Paneach Rosh I'm not sure if it's around now. Tor Ha'arach, do you have now the Hamar has they do right. the manuscripts and that's available. The Bala Turum, you have the Feldheim. Yeah. Uh, he actually he did the Tor Ha'arach, but that his, that's not in print anymore. His so you can buy the Hamar. I'm just trying to think, give listeners you know what they can buy. And what they can check out if they're interested in actually learning the primary sources. And as I mentioned, the the side stuff, the Ben Ophrayim and the Ramazim mm-hmm. and the Rekeach, that's all around. And yeah, your books. I'll link to your book. 
Um, what about any other reading material? Just before we will get back, you could tie it up. But in anything in Hebrew, I mean, I know Professor Orbach doesn't really talk about this at all. Does Professor yeah, Professor Orbach will say that this Balatosis has shot him, but he doesn't really do it because he's doing Balatosis Talmud. Um, the, the, you have, um, I mean, not a bad book, uh, uh, Tweeto, Olaf uh, Hashalom, uh, Professor Lozer Tweeto, Pshatot Hamid Chachim Bechal Yom on Rashbam, especially, and he talks about Bechor Shor. That's on that early period. It's very interesting. Um, Grossman also in Chachmet Sarfat Harishonim talks a lot about the early development. What nobody talks about too much is the 13th century, except for Poznanski, but he's missing. But on the earlier period, again, they talk about what caused the growth of Pshat. So, by the way, according to me, it did hit Germany, right? Rabbi Yudachos, it did do some pshat, and it did do some pshat, so there is something there, and it has a whole hemsheikh. In other words, it doesn't quote-unquote die out as the 13th century comes, which also might talk to the uh, uh, causes for it to come up in the 12th century that some of the chokrims suggested. You know, if you say it's the Spanish influence, so it just continued. If you say it's polemics or whatever, again, there might be other ways to explain why it continues, but not so clear, yeah. Now the Chedushin, again the Chedushin Alatarler bin Natan based Madrashi that that uh, that's again more more Tosfos that's more Tosfos Tosfos. Yeah, so right. I'll try to link to that. By as the well. way, Yaakov of Orlean has a role in that Perush too, but not the Pshatim so much. And again, there's material after his base Madrash as well. Yeah, I'll try to link to that as well. Now, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the ongoing project for many years that hasn't completed is. Uh, so what do you have to say about that? Because it's not okay. complete. They did. They have been putting out new volumes. So it's still so going as on. Long as, I never met him. As long as he was alive, they did a very laborious, slow job, and they included many, 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 many different Kisvayat. After he was nifter, they're, they're trying to wrap it up right there. You know, it took them years. Um, and so they're doing it more quickly with fewer Kisvayat, but it's still very good. Here's the problem. I, I don't want to say you, you can't live without it and you can't live with it because that's too much. But the only problem is there's zero indication usually if it, let's say they're very thorough. They'll tell you all the sources that they consulted for each comment, but you can't tell which words came from which source. In other words, is this in a printed source? Is this in a ketaviyat? So to the average person who just wants to see what Balei say, it's helpful. If you're trying to figure out what stage it's from, where you're trying to figure out what goes with which, it's much harder to do. In other words, it, it's it's almost impossible. You must go back to the printed material, to the kisvayad, which is, you know, <laughs> not easy, or or otherwise uh, you can, you know, work by stuff there. But that's the only problem that I have with it. It doesn't, in other words, it would have it would have slowed it, slowed it down even more and made it, I mean, I don't know how many they're up to volume, 14, 15, who knows? It would have been 50 volumes if they did what I would have wanted them to do. It would have taken them forever and it would have, um, I don't know, it, it would have become a... Uh, a masa gnola, but um, but it's certainly worthwhile. You know, again, it's a it's a lot of volumes, but it's certainly worthwhile. Yeah, yeah. So uh, one way to I let you can wrap it up, but I think what's really talking about the different different things. What would you recommend someone that wants to read something? Obviously, obviously, Rashi you can read countless times, but someone wants right. to do something a little different. Is it Bacharshar? Would you recommend? What would you recommend someone? I would go, to get into it, it, you know, again, Rashbam is, is very important. Not everybody, you know, always, uh, uh, you know, appreciates all of it because he's very brief. I would go Bacharshar. Bacharshar is terrific. Um, 
have to say for Hagan is interesting. I mean, again, because at least you need what you need. Uh, you mentioned the most of Cook edition of Bahor Shore too. You need clean text. They published Bahor Shore in the early 20th century, but it's very hard to use. It's very hard to use. Germans published, you know, German Jews, very hard to use. Um, and they've reprinted it that way, and sometimes it has better readings. Uh, the other thing is there's something called Haketer that came out of Israel, which has Bahor Shore and Rashbam, you know, on each volume of Chumash, although some of the volumes of Chumash have, they have two volumes for it. You have Bracious Olive, Bracious Pays. That also is accessible, though. At least it'll give you a lot of, that gives you a lot of bang for the buck, because you also have Ramban there with nice text. You have everything there, but uh, a lot of things, not everything, but you have a lot of things there. So it really depends on what people, people should test drive it. They should see what they're comfortable, uh, what they're comfortable working with. Um, yeah, no, it's not, I mean, again, the, 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 you know, let's say the read on Chumash, it's so brief. You could, you could read it through. I mean, you could do it each week, but it's, it's, there's not a ton of stuff. There's not a st- ton of stuff in Yudah Hasan al Torah. It, you know, these things can be looked that, um, um, and you'll certainly get things out of it, but there has to be some point of comparison. It's hard to look at them in a vacuum so much, right? And the Remus stuff is also hard to use because you have to be able to really hold cup. I mean, the tour, you know, that's why the bottle term is so terrific because he's got little short, you know, piecemeal pieces so people can, you know, find one they like and try to remember it, but uh, not so simple, not so simple. <laughs> but the, again, the, the, the you know, the point you made before, there's tremendous interest in pure Chumash here that the Balayatos has had that it's hard to appreciate purely on the basis of the Shas Tosas, and I'm not just talking about, you know, printed or Tosar Rosh, get me any edition you want, get me any, you know, any Shas edition you want, they're not going to have that much al Torah. You know, it's not going to, or it'll come through based on the Sugi and based on the, uh, the Chazals. So in sum, any final remarks as you, well, to kind of put it together in brief, the, right, the three right, pages? Right. So again, what we saw was that the original team of Pashtanate Sansarfat has been expanded significantly into 13th century by an equally large Right, equal in number and kind, a very important Balayatosvis, you know, who can be identified person by person. Again, I'll say once more that why don't why doesn't anybody know this? Why why did everybody find this out themselves? And the answer is because Rashi is still the most important, but it's worth knowing. And again, the Kvatsim are very interesting, but the 13th and 14th century Kvatsim are typically more, I don't want to call it a grab bag, I don't want to call it a melange, I don't want to use any of those words. They are more of a composite. Again, the, the word, the best word is Tosafist compilations. They're compilatory, right? They're, they're, you know, inclusive of many different types of material. And for people looking in terms of research, we haven't uh, uh, finished all the Kitvayad. You know, in other words, again, I suspect that many that, that haven't been looked at as carefully are going to be repeats or later versions of some of the earlier ones. But nonetheless, each Kitvayad can have something that the others don't have. So I wouldn't advise people to make this a life's work till they do a little more checking. But the Kitvayad work is very important. And the other thing I'll do, I want to add one more, one more Moshe Mikutsi that I remembered. Coming up are these sedras on early Shmos. If you look at the beginning of Bo, and people know this is a kasha. Bukhar Shor deals with it. Many Mepharshim deal with it. Um, uh, Va'era ends with um, um, Barad. It ends with Barad. And it says there, right, uh, that the Barad teshmetted all the growths that were sticks, right? Anything that grew on a stick, 
the borat came down and fishmetted it. But if it was aphilos, if it was a kind of a plant that had flexibility, right? Sometimes trees can droop, you know, a weeping willow, the borat didn't destroy it because they, you know, they, they, they were flexible. If you look at, look at the beginning of Parsha's bow, there's something strange. Every dibra, except for Arbe, right? HaKodesh Baruch, who before Moshe and Aaron go, Moshe goes to power to tell him he is going to be the next Makkah, they first have what I'll call a team meeting, right? HaKodesh Baruch, who tells Moshe, Moshe and Aaron, right? Here's what we're going to do next. And then they go and they tell him, here's what's going to be next. There's no team meeting for Arbe. Not, they don't. So some say, that's the team meeting. It's a general team meeting. We're getting towards the end. Okay, not bad. But Horshor says they wanted to save Psukim because this is the first time that the Egyptians themselves say, Taparo, let's say uncle. So they wanted to make sure they had room for that pasuk. Very interesting. Ramosh Mikusi says it's very simple. I'm going to say it's very careful. I'll give you a football, football analogy. When it came to Maka number, uh, uh, um, uh, it's number Seven, right? Uh, what what number are they? Arbe, Choshech, Makas, Bechoros. So eight, nine, ten, right? When it came to Maka number seven, the Borod, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kaviyochel sent in Moshe with two plays. He said that, that the nature of this Maka is to destroy all their crops. Well, we're going to do it in two stages in case they want to do tshuva early. First, I'm going to send the Borod. The Borod is not going to destroy all the crops. It'll only destroy those that have a brittle growth, I'm pointing to it, you won't see it on the tape, right, where it's some kind of a stalk that it's brittle, it's hard, so the bar will come down and crash it and smack it, right, but those plants that are afilos, those plants that are flexible, that bend, that have give, they won't be destroyed. Maybe once, you know, once you start taking away the food supply, right, that's the way the enemy says uncle, right, so maybe they'll say, okay, bar order sufficient, we're, we're, we're letting you go. But if they don't, we're going to send in the second play. I'm going to send it right. We're going to have the second part of this uh, uh, initiative to get rid of the food supply. We're going to send the arbe. By the time the arbe get done, there's not going to be anything left. Doesn't matter if it's brittle. Doesn't matter if it's supple. There's going to be nothing left that can be eaten because the arbe is going to eat everything and more. Right, and so. That's why there's no separate announcement to Moshe from Hakadosh Baruch Hu about Arbe, because he announced A and B for Maka number seven. Seven A is borrowed to destroy many of the crops, not all, many of the plants, not all, many of the edible plants, and seven B is to get rid of the rest of them. And then Eretz Choshech lights out Makas Bechoros in the end. So, so in looking at it that way, very clever, right? Very, very clever. So, looking at it that way, do we call it, uh, 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 you know, seven uh, A and seven B, and they're really nine Makos? I'm just joking. Or do we call it ten Makos? But anyway, he sees that right. He says, "Shatei Ramosh Mikutsi." Says, "I see it right there." I always tell my students again. That if they ever see a sefer or a ktavya that looks like it's this pshatei rabosh mikutsi, call me any time of the day or night. Email me any time of the day or night. I'll be there as quickly as possible because I want to see it. This is really yakaramitzias, and it's true of all these things. Halavai, we should uh, we should be zochas. I wouldn't have to tell you all the stories. You could all read about them yourselves. Anyway, that's all, Mister Chairman. Okay, so uh, first of all, this is the 
longest that we've gone. Yeah. And and we've gone along some other ones. And I would say that uh, maybe those have seen it. I posted about it a little bit that our episode on The Rush from last year was the number one episode on the uh, podcast of 2023. So this one will be released in 2024. Hopefully, you know, maybe maybe this one will be the number one most listened to as well. We'll see. Of well, listen, it, it, it might be the longest. If hopefully it'll be very listened to as well. <laughs> so we, we'll see. And uh, listeners, as always, you know, uh, I know I do. And Professor Canifer, I know you do appreciate right. the feedback. So listeners should right. email you. I'll put your why you email address in the notes. Right. They can email there. Questions, comments, right. They can email me, WhatsApp, in the WhatsApp chat, um, me, and uh, I can pass the messages along to Professor Canafogel. And also, as with the previous episodes, I've requested, you know, what listeners think if they're interested in hearing next in this series. We've done, diff- you know, so we've done a number of figures, and this is, was like a broad right. sweeping thing. So there's the side aspect of Ashkenaz that we haven't done. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some other figures that we haven't done. Notably, what comes to my mind is Marami Rutenberg. We somehow haven't done him. We've done right. his students, but not him. So maybe right. he's one that would be... Uh, we also, will, maybe we'll talk about Rabbeinu Tam, whatever you like. We'll figure it Rabbeinu out. Rabbeinu Tam hasn't been done as well. That's another idea. So listeners, he's an important one. So <laughs> if listeners, <laughs> from the, the most important, Baltaisvis. So, uh, him and the re. So listeners can email me, or, you know, or again, message, any requests, if that's what they're interested in. And... I want to thank Lark Plumbing again for sponsoring this and other episodes and uh, their information that shows notes. And thank you, Professor Canofogel, for once again uh, putting together such a wonderful presentation and for joining me on the podcast. Well, as always, it's my pleasure. I get wonderful comments. Uh, I don't know if I should say this. I've gotten graduate students based on the podcast. So I get I get all kinds of wonderful <laughs> More than people think, uh, Baruch Hashem. So uh, anyway, it's always a pleasure, and uh, I know people like to listen, so I hope it will not be too much, but uh, you'll listen and you'll let us know. Okay, thank you very much.